0: Welcome to this podcast, season three, episode twenty-three. Uh, it's star date nine eight six two zero mark two. My name is Timothy, and I am in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. We also have on the line, on the comm, we have uh, hailing from. Oh, we're hailing. What are we hailing? This is. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't improvise during the introduction. <laughs> we talked about this before. Uh, from the wilds of America, yeah, coming in from uh, that crazy United States of America. America, I'm a Lupus Jr. in Seattle, Washington. Not the Washington you're thinking of, it's the other Washington. The state of Washington. How's the it going? The state of Washington, yes. Did you say how you doing? I can say how's it again, going? how's it going? How's it going, okay, yeah. <laughs> you can always <at> <laughs> loop it in. <laughs> I didn't hear, I was talking over you when, I, when you said that. Anyway, so yeah. So this is week where we are going to talk about the season three finale. Um, we think it's a finale, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a finale. Uh, season three finale of Star Trek Discovery, episode 13, That Hope, That Is You, part Duh. A- A.K.A hold my beer. A.k.a. Jaime says hold my beer. Well, he does. Is he doing a recap this week? No, it's oh, my okay, recap this week. Can get, Jaime can hold your beer. righty. Yeah. Uh, um, now let's dig in. So a uh, quick little fact check here from uh, one of the invigorator Aurelio. Um, Noah Averbach Katz, or as he's known on the Twitter machine, uh, at N underscore A underbar K is, plays the regulator Aurelio, of course, but he is married to Mary Wiseman, who plays. Killy on mm, the mm. Terran universe version of that thing and and he actually played I don't know if you remember the the episode where was it Pike goes to the Klingon sort of temple thingy and and the guy tells his future and he see like he touches the stone and can see how he's gonna get burned and stuff yeah that Klingon is this guy and we've also talked about him on the show before because he uh, was diagnosed with ALS after uh, you know during the whole sort of first season and so the mm-hmm. reason why he's in now in a wheelchair is because he he can't walk anymore So it's kind of cool that they've uh, incorporated his his ailment uh, and kept him on the show and you know given him another role and obviously spoilers for the, the episode he seemed to survive the episode strangely enough right mm-hmm righty
1: I think uh, Jonathan you have uh, you going to tell us about uh, Alan uh, Shepard. Yeah, well, we, we were talking last week about how James Dewin, the Canadian actor who played Scotty, was uh, cremated and his remains are now on the International Space Station and the fact that they had to smuggle him up there. And uh, one of the things I had mentioned uh, briefly was the fact that Smuggling things into space is a fine tradition as far back as the, uh, as the 70s, and the fact that Alan Shepard was uh, the first American in space, but he was also the first American to bring a golf club into space. He was the fifth person to walk on the moon, and he smuggled a golf club up, well, actually, and he, on he February 6th- He attached the cl- club head to uh, one of their tools. He did, yes. He stuck the club inside of his sock- and he smuggled it up, and along with two golf balls in his sock. And he broke it out when they were on the moon on February nineteen seventy-one. and uh, during the Apollo fourteen mission. And uh, he took a couple of swings. He had a, a first first one went a little badly, and the second one he hit. And it's he said it went for miles yeah, and miles it's still and going. miles. So. It's still opening the moon. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, nice little uh, little history lesson there, mixed in with some uh, some new some real time follow up. Is that mm-hmm. uh, they in
0: fact started doing this on the Mercury missions because Gus Grissom who was I believe the second man to go up in the so Alan Shepard was the first man to go up in Mercury he went up for like a 15 minute flight and then um, mm-hmm. Gus Grissom went up second in a, and his ship was called Liberty Bell he took rolls of dimes with him mm. right? so his uh, his deal was he was going to give out roll and little tiny models of the Mercury capsules so he was going to give those out you can see that in if you watch uh, the right stuff or um, there's another yeah so he
1: could tell people they were in yeah, space yeah. Right?
0: And, and they used to do they used to take. They used to take like uh, stamps up, and you know there was like a whole, you know, first day issue stamps. They would have those. They would take a, mm-hmm. a bag of them up, and those were official. Yeah. They would take those up, and then you know they would you know sell them obviously as being having been in space. But yeah, that's cool. A lot. Of, a lot. Of, I mean, obviously collectors want things that have been in space. You know, so like I yeah, have. Who a, I have a signed a photograph of Buzz Aldrin. You know, facing the flag. Well, he's actually facing the camera, but his body is facing the flag. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's one of my prize prize collections. Nice.
1: All right, next. Uh, We were talking about Wonder Woman 1984 in our last episode, and we were talking about the Watergate. And I had mentioned that part of it was the hotel, and I wasn't clear on I thought they had, I know it had a bit of a checkered history in the 2000s. I thought that they had turned it all into residences, but apparently there is, it's a multi-building complex. There's the hotel, and there's also residential buildings. And the hotel was apparently closed for seven years, but it has actually been reopened as a hotel in the last, uh, I think, five years. And in addition to that, there is still the residence buildings there. So when we saw Diana Prince, a.k.a. Wonder Woman uh, living in the Watergate that was in one of the residential buildings
0: yeah and did you know that I was in Washington DC the week at, not last week not yesterday but I was in Washington DC the weekend that Watergate broke yes we were on we were on a family vacation and my dad you know was became obsessed with that so my 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 teenage years were ruined by watching the Watergate um,
1: trials on TV <laughs> I was in New York City in 2004 I arrived to do a, a, a press uh, screening for a movie in New York City the day after the Boston Red Sox came back and beat the New York Yankees for the first time in a seven game series they were uh, the Yankees were up 3-1 and Boston came back beat them and it would go on to win the World Series and the city was like catatonic <laughs> they were they were like honestly it was like walking like people were walking they were like walking into things like they just did not comprehend how this could have happened because they owned the Red Sox for 80 years and it was one of the funniest and weirdest experiences I've ever had because people were just like, did you watch the game? I was in Toronto last night. And, no, I didn't. I mean, I did watch the game, but no, I, I, I don't care. I think it's funny that you guys lost, but I didn't say that because I won't get beat up. Nice, nice. All right, one more. One more, quick one. Uh, We were talking about Doctor Who and the fact that the New Year's special was on last week and we weren't sure where it is airing here now. I looked it up. It is airing on Crave in Canada, so you can watch all 12 seasons of the re vived Doctor Who on Crave here in Canada. Twelve seasons
0: of Doctor Who? Yep. That's how long it's been since um, Chris Eccleston took over?
1: Yep. Wow. Interesting. And, is it, and we'll talk more about Do you know if it's HBO version Doctor of Who. Crave, or is that just a regular Crave? Uh, I do not know. That's a good question. I know I, I have the HBO. I have the sort mm. of top package mm-hmm. of it, and I know it's available through that. But it, it's branded through CTV Sci-Fi, because CTV Sci-Fi is part of right. CTV. CTV owns, uh, Bell owns CTV. Bell also owns Crave. So I assume that that's part of the standard if you have the package because it is a it is a CTV channel.
0: Yeah, well, I'll uh, I'll have to uh, let you know later on <laughs> today. Maybe not. I don't think so um, because I have I, on my Bell 5 service I have the regular Crave, and then of course I have access
1: to the other Crave as well. So through another service. Well, we we expect an update yes, then. Yes, we'll have more to talk about Doctor Who later in this episode. We have a, a little bit of news, and uh, and maybe we'll even have a little uh, little. up. On the New sure.
0: Year's episode. Okay, so um, you guys are looking at the notes, right? The notes. Yes. yes. Okay, well, then I can't really sort of guess how much Wonder Woman 1984 topped the box office at. So we've been talking, obviously.
1: Ooh, ooh I guess. I'll guess, guess. Wait, wait, wait.
0: So, so this <laughs> this show is uh, is the headlines, by the way. Do 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 do. This show has been obsessed with Wonder Woman 1984 since around probably March, <laughs> I would think, right? So welcome to the Wonder Woman 1984 podcast, um, <laughs> the accidental Wonder Woman 1984. Wonder Woman! Yeah. Da, 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 da. Anyway, um, they topped the box office weekend box office at
1: 5.5 million, which is a number that you would expect in 1975. Okay, so we should clarify that, though. That was in its second weekend was it yes because it did come out in christmas day it's grand total worldwide now uh is 118.5 million dollars total not billions or whatever no and i think it would have been even if it had come out in its at its original time without a pandemic and everything else i think it would have been a stretch to make a billion bucks especially given some of the negative feedback no but i mean legitimately some of these franchises can make a billion bucks some of them can make two billion bucks i mean look at the last avengers Mm -hmm, flick mm -hmm. made over two billion bucks but is that an american billion realistically well it's an american billion but i think the the reality is this movie probably could have done 800 million U.S., if it had been reviewed well and if it had premiered in IMAx and all the different deluxe formats that cost a few extra shekels and everything else, yeah who knows where this ends up and I and, and again that box office is literally at the box office that's not including the you know thirty dollars here thirty dollars there that people are paying to watch it on iTunes or any other um, streaming platform I know Cineplex you can get it here in Canada through the Cineplex app so I wonder I wonder what the final number will be I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm it's, it's uh, t- to be fair it hasn't made as much as tenant yet <laughs> so really well we yeah we we took the we took the uh the piss out of tenant a little bit when it came out because you know it was a bit of a, a flop that way but it made more money than this
0: well but they but they did do theatrical presentations and and like drive-in movies and stuff like that right so and they and hasn't it been available yeah. for not like you not like a like this sort of home box office release sort of thing right where they call home premiere they didn't do that but they you've been able to watch tenant for the last couple of months, right?
1: Yeah, it came out in the theaters in August, and then it came out for video on demand and Blu-ray and 4K and DVD and all that stuff, I think, in the beginning of December. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly available uh, for a lot of different ways of consumption. There right now, they're listing the total box office gross for that at $362.6 million. Oh, good, good. Now, it took advantage of the fact that it did come out... During what is widely regarded as a lull in the pandemic in August, where things were not as um, precipitously bad as they have been these last month or six weeks, where things are really heating up in the second wave and things are particularly bad. And as you say, they also had the benefit of summer, so people could go to drive ins and, uh, you know, socially distanced circumstances like that. So, and again, that's, that's worldwide too. There's some places where, you know, it hasn't been as, um, dire as things have been here in Canada or in the United States or, um, some places in Europe. So that does account for a lot of other markets contributing to that.
0: Oh, wait, I think I got my, my characters mixed up. Hmm. Noah Noah uh, Aberbach or, or Noah AKs, he calls up was the guy who plays Linus. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So not, not the one I was thinking about, but we'll we'll, come, we'll talk about him in a few minutes anyway. So anyway, but I think I
2: Nice. Uh an update on roku yeah and and quibi so apparently quibi the uh the now defunct micro chunk of content uh style <laughs> uh, streaming service that didn't last very long um is reportedly uh looking to sell its shows to roku and this might sound a little weird but if you don't have a roku there is a roku channel that has all sorts of free stuff generally older material right that you would see uh, i don't know like uh showing on your you know over the air broadcasting network sort of stuff so like this is this is something that could make some sense i mean i don't know how much money they're they're talking about here but i could see where it would have something new for that free supported by ads um mm. sort of programming that they might have so it's like the streaming equivalent of like oh yeah i just turn it on a channel and i watch and whatever's on is on sort of thing
1: right cool well i guess it makes sense they got to make some money back somehow right quibi yeah quibi yeah quibi was like way 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 in the red on that mm. right okay next one here
2: next one here is uh um, um, if you enjoyed the Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, the uh, the team that did that is working on a Star Trek Voyager documentary, and they're, they're starting crowdfunding pre-orders in March. They've got the little uh, video here. We have the link in the show notes for those of you transporting at home. Uh, they've got a little video here with the special announcement from uh, Garrett Wong, who used to play Harry Kim and who has a, a podcast with um, Tom Paris. I am forgetting his name is escaping me at the moment. <laughs> I'm so bad that yeah. I know like the actual character's name and not the the real actor's name. But uh, they they have a podcast that covers Star Trek Voyager. They go episode by episode and talk about their experiences and everything. But uh, coming back to this documentary, I think that's pretty cool because I, it's kind of nice to see that these things are getting um, enough recognition from fans and etc. to get more of you know give us more juicy details sort of thing. Can help us, especially because it's been how many years now? Twenty some years, twenty five years maybe since. Voyager went off the air that uh, kind of nice to, to, to reminisce. It's, it's nostalgia time.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the, the Tom Paris guy has three names, like, if that helps you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One Of those three names, Duncan name guys. is probably one of those Neil, mm, uh,
1: maybe, yeah, like Thomas Duncan Neil, yeah, something like that. I'm gonna look it yeah, up you here. You can look that, up. uh, Robin Robert Duncan McDaniel, yeah, Robert Duncan. I got one of the on three, of three. yeah, we got there All eventually. Right. So, Jonathan, yeah, we were talking about Doctor Who, and one of the things that has come up this week is along with the arrival of the new year's special was the triannual dis- discussion and debate so it seems now that most doctors are usually only on board for three seasons we are now looking ahead to uh, a tw- 12th or third and final season with Jodie Whittaker perhaps there's a few stories that have been floating around out there including one that we've got in our show notes here from entertainment weekly mm-hmm. where there's some reports that you know she's three and done just like her predecessors, uh, the last three doctors before her have all been three seasons in, and out. Really? So it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, whether that is going to be the case. It does make sense from that perspective. You know, it, it is a commitment, obviously, for an actor's career to play that part. Most of them, you know, three years is is about right. Uh, and there's already, of course, wagering online as to who makes the logical sense. Who would be the next logical uh, person to play the Doctor? Is there a, a British actor or actress that that makes sense? It'll be interesting to see if they choose uh, to continue to break ground. Obviously, the last few doctors, you know, we, we had uh, an older doctor for the first time in quite a while. And then we had a female doctor, which was a, a milestone. It'll be interesting to see if they choose a, a doctor who's a person of color or, um, you know, um, if there's, you know, somebody who is an openly gay person or, or LGBTQ or something like that. That might be, um, you know, another sort of change of pace or if they're just going to go back to, you know, standard middle-aged uh, white deer you yeah,
0: I it's, uh, it's, it's odd because if I look at, I'm looking at IMDb here, and David Tennant did 60 episodes, and Matt Smith did 58, which, so they're close. Capaldi did 47, and uh, Jody's done 32 so far. So, I mean, I, I, and I know that Britain doesn't have the same, British TV doesn't have the same number of episodes per season that we tend to have here in North America, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see, Eccleston did 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. No, oh, he did a few. Up to th- well, he did the whole first yeah, season, did, so that's what, so, 13, oh, 13 episodes? Yeah, okay. So that, like I said, yeah. that's unusual for, for Britain. Normally do, they do six episodes on a show,
1: right? So yeah. Yeah, Doctor Who's actually sort of double-sized for all things being British yeah. as far as television programming. Um, they've already mentioned, I think we talked about it in a previous episode, that the upcoming season of Doctor Who's going to be a little shorter due to COVID-19 restrictions and filming and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like we're going to get uh, a shorter season with her. So I think she'll be, you know, topping out at about 40 episodes. Right, right. Hmm. I wonder, uh, yeah, I wonder if that's the end. I, I, you know, it's um, always an interesting debate about, you know, what should the next doctor have? Who's the next doctor be? All that kind of stuff. There was obviously a lot of buzz that they were going to go and and choose a woman to be the doctor this time. And, um, you know, uh, some people love her, some people don't. And, you know, uh, I don't think that has anything to do with her gender necessarily. I think it's just her her performance. But but, um, it'll be interesting to see what they choose to do. Mm -hmm. How have you guys felt about, about Jodie Whittaker, as the I like doctor. her.
0: I mean, I, I know a lot of people have trouble with her accent, but obviously, I think I love her I think, accent. I think oh because I was born in or raised in England, and it was sort of a early kind of thing. I got used to the different accents. I mean, some of them, I, I will admit, there are sometimes I hear people say stuff in in you know in a deep brogue that or whatever that I can't follow
1: them. But no, I, I like mm. her. It's I think it's a York Yorkshire accent, isn't it? Her Yorkshire yeah. accent kills me. It just it, it makes me unintentionally laugh all the time because it is so. So well thick. and then Yaz, and it's so as well. Delightful. Yaz has got a quite yes. a thick accent too. She's got a great accent, Yorkshire accent yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So. How about you, Jaime? Are you a fan?
2: I am, but I, I do come into this in a in a weird sort of position where I didn't have anything really to compare to. I mean I had known of like David Tennant as, as being sort of the, the by osmosis learning about Doctor Who sort of uh, or being aware of Doctor Who sort of thing to compare, but I hadn't actually don't think really watched him as the character. Maybe you know, seeing a few minutes here and there while watching other things. Um, So this Mm. is, and and I did like uh, uh, Jodie Whittaker's take on the Doctor. Again, I don't have anything to compare it to, but I enjoyed coming in as a new fan. I know we've talked about in previous seasons here on this show, but like uh, the writing is kind of more of a problem than anything where it's kind of hit and miss when it comes to the episodes. That's not her fault by any means, right? So you kind of have to look at it from that lens. But this is a rare opportunity for me to participate in the debates when they do select a new Doctor, whether that's now now, or coming suit of like
0: right, hashtag
2: yeah. not my doctor for whoever the heck the new person is <laughs> yeah, and yeah. if they don't go with another woman I could be like what the hell every doctor I've ever known which there've been two within the show that I've seen yeah. every one of them's been a woman what the hell why are they choosing a dude now <laughs> right.
0: yeah yeah that's true
2: so yeah true. I could just be obnoxious on the yeah. interwebs as uh, is, is uh, the tradition
0: and it's it's funny too because like the like Star Trek you know um, Doctor Who has had it, it kind of had a sort of serious sec- of phase for a long, long time. Like, the original series, um, while they did have sort of comical Monty Python-esque kind of uh, storylines and, and, and quirks about the Doctor himself, I mean, the the very first Doctors were very, you know, very much like Kirk and Picard in that they were very, you know, very straightforward and and Doctorish, you know? And then it wasn't, they got a little crazy, you know, I think, um, you know, through Pirtui and um, Tom, what's his Tom Baker, they got a, they Baker, got a little quirky, yeah. and then they went in the eighties. They went right off the rails. I mean, I, I didn't even watch the Doctor Who's in the eighties, but uh, in fact, David Tennant's father-in-law was a doctor as well, and and his mm-hmm. was sort of a first sort of quirky one too. But but the Doctor was always sort of been seen as like you know a little bit, a little bit like Mister Spock, a little bit like you know the captain of the ship sort of thing. Like you know, um, everybody deferred to his his judgment, and it it's only been in the last few years, like with starting with Tennant. Um, um, and and Matt Smith especially too they they became really sort of goofy you know which you know which is quirky I guess right is, is the thing and Capaldi in his own way was quirky too and people didn't get that he was mm-hmm. actually a punk musician so he played, you can imagine a punk musician being promoted to doctor that's what you get right um, mm-hmm. if, I don't know if you he played he used to, he was in a band with um, Craig Ferguson back in the day did you, did you know <laughs> that um, or they played together they knew each other from back in the, in those days right but you know so it's it's interesting to sort of see. How the Doctor has been played over the years, and uh, just uh, just on a you know we haven't talked about doc- the, the Christmas special yet,
1: have we on the show? Did we? Oh, this year it was a New Year special. This year, yeah, the, the holiday special. Yeah. Yeah. No, we we haven't talked about well, it. I, uh, I think we have that as a potential after Star Trek. We'll yeah. Talk about so
0: it. so just just a quick aside here, so that there's a there's a, a whole sort of storyline here where the Doctor goes away. Uh, a little bit of spoilers if you haven't seen it, but she ends up in prison on a planet, and so the, the her companions normally these one. One companion, but in this series has been three. Um, and Matt Smith had two, obviously, had Rory and uh, and uh, Amy Pond, but um, the, the three had to wait. Ten months while the doctor was gone, and and so there's mm-hmm. a, there's a, I saw a picture today of Amy Pond. Amy Pond famously had to wait like twenty years. <laughs> yeah, since she was a little girl. <laughs> yeah, right? she was first met the doctor when she was a little girl, and then she met him as met her as an adult, like a young adult. And I think at some point, either she or Rory gets left on a planet for like millennia. Rory. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's there's some really interesting time warpy kind of things in, in Doctor Who, but uh, yeah, just you know, so the the and so the post was you know a picture of amy mon, mon going you, you know we had to wait 10 minutes she goes isn't that cute <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah moving on oh look it's me it's you yeah so yeah forget everything i said earlier about the 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 dude with ALS because the dude with ALS is not the actor i was talking about the dude the kenneth Mike, mitchell is the is the uh guy who plays early, a really regulator Aurelio on Invigil- invigilator. Invigilator. Arulio, invigilator yeah. Aurelio. We all had to look up that word last week um, in the show, and he—spoiler, surprise—survives uh, the uh, the uh, the taking over of Discovery or the recovery of Discovery. Um, but he's an actor that has ALS, and he played—he's the one that played the the white Klingon in the temple where Captain Pike goes to find out about his future and stuff like that, right? Um, right. So he's he's been in the show a number of times as as Klingons, but this time he was playing as as you know. A just a non-made-up person. But yeah, he and that's why they put him in the power chair, basically, because he can no longer rock. So it was kind of cool that, you know, rather than just moving on, as the uh, title of this story says here from CBR.com, whoever they are, um, yeah, he, uh, he's uh, been incorporated, his, his, his uh, capability has been co- incorporated into the show, right? So
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and I looked it up that Noah Averbach-Katz played Rin. He was the one who played Rin the Andorian. Oh, Rin, in, sorry, uh, yeah. It's not Linus. Yeah, yes. you're right. You're right sorry yeah
0: he else but he did play yep. he did play a Klingon I believe earlier too right it,
1: yeah he's a he's um, a Toronto actor and yeah he's played a few different parts behind masks mm-hmm. so
0: is um, Tilly from yeah. Toronto I don't Mary
1: think so I don't know that's a good question I I don't think hmm. so we can look that up on
0: IMDb while Jaime tells you another story about <laughs> controllers and whatever no not
2: controllers you would think given that Sony is in the title but no Sony the big conglomerate has more than just playstations um it also has the uh mandalorian like virtual set displays that um, has been mentioned i think a few times on this podcast that uh, rather than going sort of like traditional onset or traditional green screen they sort of did a mixture of both in the mandalorian to, to quite really good effect and um it's kind of neat to see that the uh, this sort of technology is becoming uh presumably uh cheaper and and better to use uh pretty convincing in, in the mandalorian and if it helps us get you know Presumably, better quality television and movies. I'm, I'm all for this.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Yeah, one of the things they
2: talked about uh, that I think is also echoed in the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff for uh, Mandalorian on Disney Plus is that one of the huge advantages over traditional green-screening techniques is that you don't have to fake the lighting, right? Either digitally or, mm. um, you know, there on the set of like, all right, well, they should be getting like a purplish light. It's like they are getting a purplish light from the sc- big screen the big tv screen that's shining light on them so it's uh it, it really helps for that uh immersion and, and realism factor uh at, at a cheap yeah. level too they talk about like they're just playing like a big video game scene on the screen and try to met, get that to match up with the physical set that they have in the immediate vicinity of the actors
0: yeah it's amazing mm-hmm. those those lcd panels that we've been seeing over you know like the sort of we start off with the jumbotron which is big giant light bulbs right and to these like lcd panels which are you know when you stand right on top of them they're you can see obviously that there are RGB light sources but uh you know when you're standing back they obviously you know like we you know bands like you 2 can have a big giant you know screen behind them and and you know fabulous light shows and stuff like that um and it's amazing to see how they filmed the mandalorian when you have you seen the making of the mandalorian Jaime? yet i've Um, seen uh maybe two or three episodes i don't remember how many there are in the making of series yeah there's one entire episode about that that uh, uh circular um lcd panel that they they work within, right? Um, and how they build ships above, and so they get the sort of the camera angle always show always looks like it's like like when they're standing on a vista, they're actually just standing on the, on the, in the middle of the set, and and uh, you know the the, the the planet surroundings is just projected onto this big screen, which is really cool and and interesting. I, I just a little bit of a sort of uh, humble brag. I had an idea like this when I was in university to do something like this with slide projectors, but of course I never actually made it. I just drew it, but uh, yeah, because I thought I thought it would. Be be cool to be like immersed in um, in a space that you're not actually in right and I don't know if you've ever seen but I think Disney did this they had a 360 camera which was like a it would, it would be in the like they would put it in a parade and it would go down the middle of the street and it would just basically it shot up like it, the camera pointed up and it hit kind of a parabolic dome and it would film everything in 360 on one on one shot like one piece of film and then they could project that again right when they were through <laughs> the reverse mirror right so it'd be like you so you could see in a theater and the four walls around you would would be projecting the the entire sort of you know 360 kind of experience right yeah cool stuff yeah I, I've always sort of wondered if I was I always thought it would be cool to be like immersed in a in an environment you know before, this is long before VR headsets and stuff came along too which is cool mm-hmm. at 1800 nits just like Apple's Pro XDR, XDR dip- display <laughs> Nits is a measurement of light for those of you driving at home all right next Jonathan
1: all right first we'll do a real-time check yeah. Uh, Noah Averbach-Katz played Rin. He is American. He is from uh, L.A. He was a Juilliard classmate of Mary Wiseman. That's how they met. And one of their fellow classmates was also Mary Shifo, who played um, the Klingon leader, the mother, in the first couple of seasons. Yes, yes. And apparently
0: they've been married since 2019, so they must have met here in Toronto or or cemented their thing in Toronto, I guess.
1: It sounds like, actually, they they have been together for a while because it says he he, uh, helped her audition for the oh, role cool. on uh, memory alpha so apparently his mom is a huge trekkie and so he was going to Trek conventions and all that when he was younger and then the two of them were actors she got up uh, for the audition she got the role and then he ends up getting on the show too apparently he writes it's a great memory alpha fun sometimes it's it says everbred cats runs a dungeons and dragons campaign for discovery cast members including anthony rapp emily coots blue dale barrio ian alexander and mary wiseman that's some detail you need in there. There. Take that Wikipedia. Well, I'm,
0: even IMDb. All IMDb has about Mary Mary Wiseman is that she's married to him. Like, there's not even any trivia yeah. or whatever.
1: But actually, let me look him up. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, Mary Scheifel played Lorel. She was that was uh, Lorel was the Klingon leader, eventual Klingon leader. Yeah, follow her on Twitter. Fun. We'll go down the rabbit hole. We're just going to read you guys uh entries from Memory Alpha and Wikipedia tonight. No, Do no, no, no. you think it's going to be a good episode? <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on to my next bit of news, which is we got some news today from Deadline.com that uh, Kevin Feige's much uh, quiet Star Wars uh, project has apparently got some talent added aboard. So in amidst all that news that we got before the holidays about Disney going bananas and putting all these TV shows out and they announced the Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron movie and all kinds of good stuff, they never really talked about what's going on with kevin feige's star wars project obviously mm. kevin feige is the uh, executive producer behind the marvel cinematic universe the largest grossing franchise uh, in the history of film and he is apparently uh, going to bring on board the person who is the writer of the doctor strange in the multiverse of madness film that is coming and also the um, Executive producer on the Loki series for Disney. Plus. His name is Michael Waldron. He's going to write the Star Wars film that's being run by Kevin Feige. Now, they still haven't talked about what it's going to include. They haven't really said, you know, when it's going to be said, who's going to be involved, but it sounds like they're pulling out the stops. And, you know, this is somebody that uh, Kevin Feige would obviously be familiar with, given his work in the Marvel Universe. So uh, I think this is an interesting one to keep an eye on. It could be really good. He's uh, Waldron an Emmy Award-winning writer. Uh, again, he's, he's worked on Big projects. Uh He started his work on Rick and Morty. Um, that's where he won his Emmy as a, a writer for uh, some of the work on season four. Um, so this is, you know, this is an interesting person to be adding into the Star Wars universe.
2: Yeah, and for a movie, though, and not like a, a TV series. So that's...
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they wanted, you know, obviously Star Wars got kind of uh, kabonged by me and many other people for its most recent trilogy of films. The fact that it was a little um, sparsely connected in the way that it probably should have been planned out, whereas Kevin Feige somehow managed to link together 23 films of Marvel films so that they all make cohesive sense more or less and that I think is what Star Wars really needs more than anything right now is somebody who sees the big picture isn't just thinking about one film is thinking about how to tell a, an overarching big story so it would be really interesting to see if he can bring that magic touch to the Star Wars universe yeah cool yeah faux show well speaking of the Marvel Universe uh, the link
0: I have here is everything you ever wanted to know about WandaVision but we're afraid to ask um, and it, interesting because for me like I didn't even know these guys were like a couple but you know um of course we're talking about um uh, i don't vision and the scarlet, uh, scarlet witch. witch thank you um yeah so th- it's cool that this this you know where does it take place in the mcu you could ask yourself well it takes place after avengers endgame which a lot of people seem to know and but wait a minute didn't he die in that two those two movies or one of those and you know because uh what's his name um the snapping dude what's his name Thanos, Thanos, yes. He snatches the gemstone, which uh, powers... What's the name? Vision. Thank you. Vision. Vision's uh, thing makes him, makes him sentient and whatever. Um, or not sentient. It makes him uh, like a 3D car- or body of him, you know? And what about the black and white stuff? Um, and then, you know, are there other movies that I need to understand before I watch WandaVision? According to this article, there are six that you should watch uh, before watching this particular show. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, are there other characters from Marvel in there? And, of course, uh, Kat, Kat uh, Dennings plays Darcy Lewis from the Thor movie movies and you know then we've got randall park from shield um and uh tayona i don't know how to say her name tayona paris plays monica Rambeau from captain marvel captain marvel series. yeah she
1: she was the little girl in captain marvel her mom was uh was the pilot who's best friends with captain marvel and monica's the little girl and now of course she's grown up to be a, a woman a young woman so yeah and she uh she in the marvel comics Universe. Monica Rambeau is another character who once had the mantle of Captain Marvel. Mm, interesting. So she's another potential. I think uh, her character name now is I think it's Photon. I think that's what the name she uses. But uh, she's another powered character too. So it'll be interesting to see if this is a little backdoor entry for her as a as a superhero character.
0: So of course, you know the point is if you don't know anything about it, like I kind of sort of don't, um, then you could uh, check this article out to get some sort of uh, you know points about what uh, what this. Sort of come into this series with. And maybe maybe you don't read this article. Who knows? I mean, maybe that's the thing, too. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's uh, WandaVision and, or Wanda and Vision, or WandaVision. Not the Korean boy band. No, the British boy band, right? That was One Direction. Division? Oh, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> K-pop, right? That's All righty. Well, we've arrived. Here we are. Finally, if the end is near. end is nigh. Um, this is the uh, part where we're talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 13. 14, that hope that is you, part two, formerly known as outside. Um, yeah, so take it away, Jonathan.
1: Yeah, we uh, we once again got thrown the curveball of the missing, uh, the misleading name that that uh, we wondered from the very beginning that there was a part one and there was no part two. So we did get our answer that this is the, the conclusionary part two to the first episode of the season, and we start off inside of the hollow deck where uh, the. Young Young, not young, the formerly Child who has been stranded uh, has been uh, Sukal has been living, and things are not looking great. We've got Culber and Saru uh, inside mm-hmm. there with him, and they are starting to show some pretty advanced stages of radiation poisoning. They've got scars on their cheeks and and uh, sort of open sores, and and things are looking pretty bad. Interesting and, that he has uh, to wear makeup in this show. I just you know like the prosthetics,
0: so just, <laughs> you know just can't get away from
1: it. Yeah, no kidding and um they they sort of surmise that you know things are getting worse and the radiation level is getting worse uh there must be a breach in the hull of the ship that is starting to flood in the radiation from outside and that's why things are, are starting to look more and more grim it's at that point that adira arrives and they have uh brought some medicine that will help uh the uh saru and culber last a little bit longer they make a point of saying that it's uh um, it's not going to cure them, but it would help them survive a little longer. Because if you'll recall, two episodes ago, they uh, as as Michael Burnham is departing, uh, Culber says, you know, if you don't, if you can't get back soon, don't come back at all, because we're not going to make it. And so this is obviously you know, buying them a little bit of time. And she, excuse me, they say that uh, they have smuggled it in in their mouth, which is very funny. And Adira is now being shown as uh, an alien race. Did either of you recognize the race? I couldn't put my finger on it. No, I did not. I feel like maybe I should have recognized it, but it didn't immediately click with me what I was supposed to be looking at. But more interesting than that is the fact that Grey is there, and the Hollow has recognized him. And he is being shown as a Vulcan, and not a Trill. Vulcan with blue hair. But, Vulcan with blue hair. But uh, very interesting that, you know, the Hollow recognized this as a life form. And uh, so, this is the first time, of course, Culber can see Grey, and... And there's an interaction and, and, and he's, you know, very excited at the fact that, you know, he can interact. He's become tactile. Um, they share a hug. It's very, you know, interesting moment that that this is the first time that the Gray has become corporeal in our uh story so far with him. We got back to what's happening uh at Federation or Starfleet headquarters. The Viridian is outside of the shield and they are blasting as hard as they can with everything they've got trying to blow a hole through it we've got discovery on the inside currently being held by the uh the chain and they are the emerald chain and they are um trying to figure out how they can get out of there. They are under attack. Uh, Vance is, you know, onto what's going on there and is saying, you know, shoot that ship. And then uh, Discovery, uh, led by Osira, says, you know, target this spot. It's not what it appears to be. It's actually their shield emitter. And sure enough, it is. And they start, you know, hammering this shield emitter, trying to get the shields down so they can get the heck out of there. And they say that their plan is to head for the nearest uh, chain base because, you know that way they'll be able to be safe and protected. The bridge crew, uh, as we saw them at the end of the previous episode, have joined forces with the Dot Twenty Three robots, uh, who are now filled with the um, the data from the Sphere uh, from last season. Feels like there's a lot of stuff tying up here. This is as we joked earlier. This is the hold my beer episode that uh, Jaime <laughs> likes to bring forward, um, and they are on the uh, fifth deck and they are trying to work their way up. So they're fighting their way up. They're trying to get up to the bridge. They are fighting away and then all of a sudden they notice that there's something amiss and it turns out that uh, Osira has basically cracked the windows and is not... Straight out doing what we saw Burdum do in the last episode, which is, uh, you know, open the doors and, and see if you can get your enemies sucked right out the window. She's opened them a crack and is basically slowly suffocating them, which is an interesting if deeply flawed strategy. And we'll get more into that as we get through this episode. Uh, We go back to the Federation headquarters and Vance is, you know, busily trying to, you know, stop Discovery from escaping. Stamets, uh, who has, you know, since been uh, projectile vomited from the Discovery last week when uh, the emergency um, bubble basically launched him out the window when Burnham basically loaded him into a bubble and shot him out the window in an effort to prevent the chain from getting not just Disco, but its pilot or its its engine for all things, uh, all purposes. And he comes in and says to Vance, "You know, you know, we got you've got to get me back on board. There, we got it. We got to go back. You know, uh, Captain Saru is inside the nebula. They are getting exposed to radiation. They're going to die. We have to go back." And Vance plainly, basically says, "No, like, no, I'm not going to do that. We're glad that you're off. We can't set, risk sending you back there. We're not going to do it." And and then basically they haul Stamets away, and he is. Um, not as despondent as he was last week, but seems genuinely Yeah, they're going to put him on a
0: ship and like take him as far away from this conflict as possible.
1: Exactly, yeah. So, just as the shields, uh, shield emitter is being uh, taken down by the Discovery and the uh, Viridian, they are about to escape through the, uh, the open door now. We see the Navarre fleet show up, as we predicted last week uh, when Burnham sent a distress call to the Navarre through her mom. Uh, with the co milat Milot. And the Navarre have basically come and they are going to uh, basically join forces with the Federation and stop the chain here. It's at this point where, uh, you know, Osira basically decides to go, you know, full merciless and of says, you know, hey, we got a ship full of pesticides here. How about we deploy those and start cooking them up here and start killing everything in sight? And she's got Burnham prisoner on the bridge and, you know, basically says, you know, you, you get a choice, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, and Burnham says no, no no stop 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 I'll talk to Vance and she says you know hey listen you know you have to trust me I can I can handle this you have to let us go you can't you know you can't keep fighting you can't keep trying to stop them and Vance uh with you know great uh emphatic gesture shuts down his screen and then uh they let Discovery and the Viridian take off uh being pursued of course but you know no longer in conflict at uh the the Federation headquarters there and and we cut to our opening credits. We come back, and Saru and Sukal are trying to bond. Cobra had said, you know, hey, you know, you have to try and get through to him. You have to try and sort of break down those walls. You have to get him to trust you, and you have to get him to face his fears, or, you know, we're going to get stuck here and we're going to die here. And so uh, Saru basically says, you know, hey, uh, I noticed we've got a little fire here. How would you like it if we made a traditional Kelpian meal? Let's make some side new Ium. And you know, uh, Sukal sort of says, oh, that's a traditional, you know, Kelpian dish. How do you know how to make a Kelpian dish? And he says, well, I'm not exactly what I appear to be. Uh, you know, I, there's, you know, lots you can't see about me. Let's, you know, let's let's talk about that. And so they have a little sort of, you know, break bread and, and you know, trying to sort of break down the walls of, of suspicion. And, and uh, obviously we saw a little mini burn last week when um, Sukal was nervous. And, and so obviously that's something that Suru is trying very hard to avoid void we go back to discovery inside of the uh, sick bay aurelio is there alongside uh, an imprisoned book who is strapped down to a table and uh, he's got Zara, the, uh, you know, ne'er do well, uh, frozen handed man, uh, right hand man to Osira, And they're basically saying, you know, we're going to apply this neural lock, the, the same thing that they put onto uh, Stamets a few episodes ago that will basically, um, you know, try and take over his mind. But since Book is an empath, apparently it'll be incredibly painful. And Zara basically sort of says, you know, we're going to do this. Aurelio says, no, I can't do this. I can't do this in good conscience. I can't do it. And Aurelio appeals to Osyraa, says, listen, I've seen you do good things. You spared me. You can't, you can't do this. And we finally see Osira fully turn on Aurelio. And we saw a little bit of it last episode where she sort of says, you know, suck it up, buttercup. This is what what I do. This time she flat out chokes him down. Uh, She wraps her hand around his throat and says, you know, if you ever disobey me like this again, I will make sure next time I choke you that you will not wake up. Uh, So a pretty nasty turn that I think Aurelio did not think she was capable of, but clearly I think we knew she was. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then of course, you know, once he's down, they, they do fire up this neural lock and and it's an agonizing pain. Book is clearly extremely distressed. And um, yeah. So then we cut back onto the hollow deck. We're going to get a lot of cuts here, folks. So hang in here. We go back to the, uh, the hollow deck and you know, Sukal and Saru are talking, and you know, every time they start, you know, raising the subject, Sukal starts, uh, Saru starts raising the subject of you know, outside. He said, "I don't want to talk about outside. Outside's weird." And and the Federation was supposed to come from outside, but they, they why didn't they come? Why couldn't they come? And it's at this point where Saru sort of says, "You know, hey, I, I, I got to be honest with this this person." And so he explains, you know, this is the circumstance. You know, it's there was this event, this event, the burn that made it very, very difficult for people to travel. And, you know, that's why they couldn't come. And that's why, you know, we're stuck here. And, uh, you know, it it wasn't anybody's... Nobody's to blame. Nobody was trying to, you know, deliberately leave you here. Nobody knew. We were, you know, just trying to sort of deal with this. Back to uh, the discovery. Uh, We have Osira torturing Book. And, you know, she basically has Burnham there and sort of says, you know, okay, this is, you know you have you you know basically you're down to it you've got 30 minutes left till all the air is out of the fifth deck and all of your crewmates are dead or unconscious that is and an hour till they're dead you've got you know your friend here clearly your boyfriend here who is being tortured out of his mind and Burnham sort of finally says okay okay he listen, okay fine I'll, I'll convince him to do it I'll convince him to help you try and get the spore drive going just let, let me let me talk to him she gets alongside book and at that point she basically flips a around and activates the quarantine protocols which would seal a force field around the bed which is weird because it's around the bed but it also exposes the door so they're on the side with the door and osira and zara are on the side inside to me that didn't quite click seemed like a bit of a weird camera angle but i didn't quite understand why yeah, yeah. why they were in a quarantined area unless it was supposed to be that Osira and zara were in the quarantined area oh that could be like but oh i no, this, this person has you know mega
2: covid so like seal them off in that area and you can still <laughs>
1: space COVID.
2: The, the, the doctor can still go have their coffee right while they have some time to think about what to do um
1: yeah good yeah yeah so they basically Osira and zara are stuck in there she grabs book takes the neural lock off of him and injects him with a, a booster a hypo spray full of adrenaline and says okay let's go she kills a, a one of the one of the um the guards and they bolt down the hallway and uh we cut back down to the lower deck to the fifth deck where the rest of the bridge crew is and they're starting to face you know hypoxia they're having a really tough time breathing uh, try and stay on their feet and they're passing around this uh, oxygen mask and everybody's having a few gulps of oxygen trying to sort of keep themselves going and they try and pass it to Owo and she says I, I honestly I don't need it I, I'm used to uh, being back home at where I used to go diving for abalone and I can hold my breath for 10 minutes and they were all, all sort of looking at each other saying I, I didn't know that I didn't know you could do that that's amazing they are trying to figure out how they can bypass the computer command functions because the, the emerald chain and taking over discovery has not only just taken the ship but they've actually basically put in their manly voiced computer that is running the whole ship so they basically need to go and, and uh you know hit the uh, the force reboot on the computer but they know that they need to access the data core and they know that it would be uh you know impossible to get there we go back to um burnham and book and he sort of says, you know, OK, so, you know, can we just transport where we need to go? And she says, nope, they've got a jammer up. We can't transport there. Uh, but I do have a little trick up my sleeve. And he, she she busts out this stolen badge that she's got from one of the regulators. And she sends a little coded message. She opens a channel. She sends a little coded message to, uh turns out, to Tilly, where she says, you know, uh, you know, uh, she talks about her birthday. She talks about, you know, Cynthia Hall and poker. And she says, you know, and nothing stops a party like fire. Fireworks. Tilly down on deck five tries to figure out what the message means and she tells the rest of the crew, uh, yeah, actually, this is what she's talking about is, you know, I was having this really bad birthday last year. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, have the day get over with. So I had gone and crawled inside this nacelle and I uh, was down there. Burnham found me. She brought Hall, and and we played poker all night and she never once mentioned that it was my birthday and it was great. And she said, oh, I get it. She wants us to go to a nacelle. And she, so they figure out, oh, if we're inside of a nacelle, we explode this thermochemical bomb in in between the superconductors holding the discovery to its now slightly detachable nacelles, Mm -hmm. that it would force the ship to fall out of the warp bubble. Um, So good strategy. And they say, well, okay, so, you know, let's just send down the the dots. The dots could help us do this. And they realize, Mm -hmm. no, we can't do that because the magnetic field that's used to hold the nacelles on would disrupt the dots. So, they're going to have to go and do it themselves. Why all of them have to do it, I'm not <laughs> sure, but they decide they're going to go en masse. I guess they were anticipating they were going to get intercepted by the chain, but they decide they're all going, even though most of them can barely walk. Uh, back to the hollow deck and. Um, Sakal is trying to figure out, you know, what's happening because because they're starting to lose some of the effects. The hollow deck is basically collapsing because the ship is collapsing, and he goes to the door that used to take him to the hollow version of Kaminar, and he says, "Kaminar is empty. Kaminar is gone." And so Saru sort of says to him, "You know, yeah, no, that that was just a hologram. That's not really Kaminar. That's not outside. You know, and it sort of says, you know, you're a sentient person. I'm a sentient person. We're real people. But this, you know, you have to understand that." This This is just a a hologram and, um, you know, we have to get to the outside and and don't be afraid the outside is good. Once again, we see this sort of uh, seaweed and smoke monster that we saw in the previous episode that is this creature from uh, legend or or, uh, myth in in, uh, the old man's stories that was being read to him through the holodeck. And it once again says, see me. And uh, and we know it's at this point that, you know, he needs to face his fear. He needs to go and do that. Um, We go over to Adira, Grey and Culber and they see that there's an actual hole right through from where the holodeck would end and out into the ship, they say, well, okay you know, we can't, you know go actually through there because the radiation levels would be too high, and Gray says, well, t- you know, hey, it's a good thing I'm here because I'm not a real person. I can walk right out of here and take a look but around. But he's still a holographic projection. He, he is, but that doesn't diminish who he is as a spirit, right? Okay. So he would become not visible if he stepped outside. So theoretically, he should have stepped outside and re- reverted to being a trill when we looked at him because he wouldn't be a Vulcan because he have stepped outside are you Star Trek? now? I am. So theoretically, if he steps outside of the holographic environment, what we should have been looking at is gray, as he would appear previously, which is as a spirit of his trill self. We did not. He still remained a Vulcan when he walked out, and he goes out, looks around, sees that the ship is in terrible shape and that is basically on the the precipice of collapse. Walks back in and sort of says, "You know, uh, things are bad. We have to." get out of here now. Um, we, at this point, are trying to figure out, you know, so, you know, how is this possible? How, you know, how is Skull what he is? And uh, Colber sort of basically finally lays it out for us that he's a polyploid, which is a real thing. Um, a polyploid is a person whose genes are affected when they're a fetus, and it changes their genetic makeup uh, at that point of development. And because he was exposed to the radiation, because he was on this planet, that he's connected to the dilithium, and Adira supposes that uh, because a dilithium, which again is a hypothetical element, has this subspace component, that Sukal's screams can resonate at the same frequency as the dilithium. And when he saw something so incredibly scary 125 years ago, that resonance that he can hit because of his um, genetic mutation, that's what caused the burn. Mm. So we we finally have it definitive, I mean, we knew from episodes previous that this was the case, but we finally have a uh, Star Trek sci- sci- science babble explanation for how this was all uh-huh. what happened. Right. And Cobra says, you know, this isn't a, you know, a permanent, you know, genetic defect that is going to haunt him for the rest of his days. We just need to get them a the hell away from this dilithium planet, because if we do, that should end the threat that there's going to be a second burn or a third or a fourth or whatever. And... Um, Back over to Skal and Saru, they're looking around and they realize that the hologram of the elder, the 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 teacher uh, hologram, is gone. And it's at this point where Sukal starts to sort of you know realize, okay, things are changing, things are you know going in a certain direction, and it's time for him to go through the doorway and face the fears. I think the thing that scares him the most, where this monster comes from and where it's been leading him. We cut back to Discovery and the bridge crew is trying to sort of hold itself up and, and meander down this hallway without passing out. And in the end, you know, just one person after the other is just losing their legs. They've got nothing left. They just don't have enough oxygen. And the only person who's still sort of able to go is Owo, who's of course got this better lung capacity. And, you know, Tilly sort of says, you know, sorry, we, we just can't go with you. We just don't have it. You know, you have to be the person to carry this on, take the mask and go. And she sort of says, well, you're all going to die. She says, well, gonna die if you don't do this anyways so you may as well just Mm go um at this point we cut over to Burnham and book they are trying to evade the Emerald chain uh troops and they go into the turbo lift I, I wrote down into the turbo lift flyboy they uh she sort of shoves them in they get in there they close the doors but they realize that they can't get where they need to go so they're trying to figure out well how do we how do we avoid this so what they do is they basically open the back doors of the of the lift uh book stands around around the corner, she goes up on top and when they open the doors, they start, you know, picking off the troops and, and sort of fighting back. And we get a really interesting look that we don't really get very often of sort of what the turbo lift shafts slash open space looks like and we, we talked about that in a previous episode sort of you know what a pain in the arse it must be on that ship to go from point a to point b in a in a, in a, in a turbo lift and we see yeah it, it's pretty complicated like these are not quote-unquote elevators these are basically like shuttle craft that uh take you from point a to point b and so there's they're shooting and they're shooting and they and they realize that they're probably going to get overrun and uh, it's at this point where Burnham says I have an idea and and she jumps right off the back of the thing and book thinks like oh my god she just <laughs> killed herself she flies down a considerable distance and lands on the top of a turbo lift she then uh oh, to open the door and surprise the uh the chain trooper inside pummels him and uh shoots him and then uh starts going in and uh and programming it to get her where she needs to go so she programs it to take her to the data core because she now knows that that's where she needs to get to so she arrives at the data core. She walks in the door. There's troops and there's Osira, and we get what was probably inevitable through this whole uh, event, which is the Burnham, who's pretty spry for somebody who got stabbed pretty badly in the leg last episode. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of, you know, maybe she gave, gave herself another adrenaline shot when she was giving one to Book and we didn't see it, right. but she seems to be handling it pretty well. And uh, meanwhile, back in the other Turbo Lift, uh, Zara basically comes in and, you know, is going at it with Book, the two. Two of them are, are having a, a good go. So we have these sort of simultaneous fights between Book and Zara and Burnham and Osira. We go down to the nacelle where Owo is trying very hard to get herself down there. She needs to get this bomb planted so they can try and knock themselves out of warp. And she manages, you know, while she's gasping for air, she manages to get this bomb planted, but as she's trying to uh, get herself out of the blast radius, she is just struggling. She just can't do it. She basically gets to the doorway and then hits the floor, and at that point, one of the dots is there, and the dot um, you know, basically says, you gotta get up. She says, I can't get up, and then it starts to drag her away, and then boom, we cut to the outside of the ship, and sure enough, exactly what they intended to happen happens. It disrupts the magnetic lock between the nacelle and the ship and it disrupts the warp bubble and boof they go flying around and out and back into regular space uh at this point uh you know there the chain won't be denied so they basically the viridian is so freaking big that it basically like you know uh it, it you know jonah and the whales them and basically opens up its giant mouth and scoops them up and wraps itself around so they are inside the viridian at this point point um we go back to the fight between book and zara and zara is sort of saying you know he's got him pinned down he's got him on the edge of throwing him down into the turbolift shaft and he says you know who do you think is going to make a bigger splat me or your stupid cat basically and you know as as we know you never mess with cats right <laughs> and a book responds with you know she's a queen and he flips zara out and zara not only does he fall but he falls and he pings off one of those things it's just show you that he hit yeah. something really hard. <laughs> uh, so Zara is toasted. Um, we go back to the fight between Osira and Burnham, and Osira is proving to be uh, is superior at this case. She's, you know, she's stronger. She's, you know, basically working in, and she... I have a, qu- I have a, sorry, a question just before we get too far down this thing. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. We'll Go for it.
0: So we have this big giant cavity inside the, inside Discovery, and there's all these lists moving up and down and left and right, whatever, right?
1: Yeah. There's nobody on the ship. Where are the <laughs> lifts going. Well, you know, maybe the troops are all, you know, using, well, that's the, the one we saw the troop that was inside. Where are the other ones going? I don't know. And how many are there? Yeah. And, and,
0: and it's, it's very similar to the, what's that, um, Mike and Sully movie with the, the, oh, monsters incorporated yeah, like the doors and the doors yeah, like, yeah, like this, like I, I'm often amazed at how much free space there is in these giant, you know, ships, because you know, I mean, you know, they went
1: to moon in a pretty much like a phone booth, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, so we we go back to the fight between Osira and Burnham. Uh, Osiris is basically winning the fight. She is pushing Burnham into this wall inside the core, yeah, and of course it's that, the core that's
0: that me- metal stuff that we engineered metal. Yeah,
1: it's it's made through that like manipulable um, metal product that they've been using. The uh, I can't recall the name they it's used like for it. Uh, pro- so pro- made, do you remember what that material, was? Material, I think. Pro- yeah, yeah, programmable matter. Yeah. I think oh, yeah, maybe yeah, is what yeah, they yeah. called it. And uh, so there's this sort of wall of programmable mem- programmable matter and Osira basically pushes burnham into the wall and it's you know she basically it's like it's like goo almost and it basically she gets absorbed she gets into it Homer, and osara is just, simpson
0: into the <laughs> into bushes the, head into the bushes yeah
1: exactly so it's a great meme there yeah uh she gets sucked into it and Osira just sort of walks away and dusts her hands off and says well that's it for you and you know you've been assimilated by the wall you're toast and then we start to see the wall sort of shimmy a little bit and Osira looks at and next thing you know, there's this, this uh, blaster pistol basically sticks itself out, and you know, three shots out, bang, 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 and Osira uh, takes a couple of shots, and she is dead. Uh, Burnham basically wastes no time. She jumps over. She you know switches a couple of uh, eight track cassettes, and uh, next thing you know, like it's a, time like a scene for from the 2001
0: in Space Odyssey when you reprogram the computer oh. with the big giant chips. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Like it was not exactly like uh, rocket science. We'll put this one here. We'll put this one here, and. And good i always think and when i see things
0: like that that'll be off that'll be a, a, a challenge in one of the video games that comes out right
1: yeah really they uh so that effectively does the reboot you hear the sort of menacing manly voice of the computer for the emerald chain and it starts to and it turns into the nice friendly uh sphere data voice of the computer now and burnham says haha i got it done she says okay you know beam all the regulators off the ship restore the life support to, uh, to level." five, put the shields up, and let's go. We cut back down to um, deck five, and there we see that the crew is sort of, you know, oh, hey, we can breathe, we're alive. And we see Owo, and she's alive. And then we look and we see the dot uh, robot that had helped get her out, and it's looking pretty damn dead. It's, you know, blackened and looking very unhealthy, no lights are on, and and uh, so we're supposed to assume this thing sacrificed itself to save Owo. Uh, they all head for the bridge. Bridge. They go up there at Burnham and Book show up at the bridge, and there's this you know very quick, nice you know reunited scene. We did it. We got them off. We get a little recap. Where are we at? And you know Burnham sort of defers to Tilly and says, "Okay, Captain, what are we going to do?" And and Tilly sort of says, "No, no, 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 no. This is not no. I no. Uh, I've been doing my best, but no. You're you are the captain. You we need you to lead us. We need you at the con. Which I don't know. I I, I struggled with this scene a little bit. Just the whole." You you know the, the quickness of it and i guess in that moment we're supposed to assume that burnham just sort of says you know whatever let's just get this over with and get it done but she she does sort of take the reins pretty quickly and the rest of the team does too yeah so kind of kind of a bit of a weird weirdly quick transition from from one to the other given everything we've gone through and the fact that tilly did get her people you know she mm-hmm. didn't carry out the plan and she did you know do that it, it was just kind of strange it was a strange turn that quickly uh so the plan is okay let's eject the warp core and blow it up and get the hell out of here and aurelio who is still alive and on the bridge basically says you you know know, they beamed all the regulators off but somehow they kept aurelio there yeah that part he's not a a regulator he's an invigorator or whatever he called it that's right she she should have specified she that's it that's the difference the regulators are the guys with guns he's an invigorator um, so yes, some literal uh, sphere data computing there. Anyway, Aurelio has basically turned uh, on, on to their side and says, you know, hey, I'm a scientist. I have a theory. The theory is because Book can speak to life forms because he can, oh, can can communicate with them. I think he can speak to these spores. I think he can be the engine for us to get to where we need to go. And um, you know, they're going to try this. This is their escape plan. We. Go Go back to the hollow deck uh, on the dilithium planet inside the nebula, and Sukal's scared, and you can tell that he's scared. That you know he's got to he's got to finally face his fear, and you know uh, he gets a nice little sort of rah-rah speech from from uh, Saru saying, you know, it's it's okay to be scared. It's okay. Like we'll be with you. We're not we're not leaving. We're here with you. Don't you know? Whatever you do, don't scream, kid. And. <laughs> Grey is also scared. We, you know, we get a nice scene with Grey where, you know, he sort of says, you know, I don't, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to being invisible. I don't want to go back to not being a person. And, you know, Culber sort of says, you know, we know now we know you're here. We know that you're real. We'll figure it out. Don't, you know, don't freak out just because the holograms turning off doesn't mean we don't think of yours not being here. Like we'll figure this out. So again, a nice little thread to carry over into the next season. We get this uh, scene where they, you know, finally do go through this mysterious door that was so scary for Sukal, and he walks over and uh, the controls on the on the uh, uh, on the deck basically go from a child sized hand to his adult hand sized obviously indicating last time he used it he was a little boy. and he in Kelpian says, end program." And at that point, all the holograms disappear, Gray disappears, and we're left on uh, what appears to be the bridge of the ship where there are the uh, now basically desiccated remains of the rest of the crew, including his mom. And it's at that point where we, you know, he says, I want to see the thing that that scared me before. And we see the the hologram basically play out the interaction where he came out of the holodeck previously and he saw his mother's death, where she sort of says you know uh you know you have to go inside i told i told you to stay inside don't go out you know don't come back out here because she was trying to spare him the sight of that and when he sees her fall and her die he's so upset he lets out this scream and the scream of course is the cascade that caused the burn so we know that the burn was uh, we already knew it was him but now we know what the incident was it was his anguish at, at seeing his mom die Which we could have figured out too yeah mm-hmm. yeah um at this point, you know he sort of turns around and he realizes, oh, everybody's back to who they were. And he sees Saru as a Kelpian and not as the holographic projection of his human being. They, uh, you know, sort of put their uh, big Kelpian foreheads together, and he realizes, I'm not alone. I, I have, you know, you are a real person. I'm a real person. This is outside, and outside is okay. So it's a nice, nice sort of rec- uh, resolution to this um, sort of um, angst that this young man or 125 year old young man is feeling. Uh, back on Discovery, and um, we've got Book transported down into the Spore Drive. He says he's going to give it a try. He's going to try and pilot this uh, the Spore Drive, and he drops this little interesting information where he says to Burnham, "You know, I'll have to tell you one time about the real Cleveland Booker. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I'll have to tell you sometime about the real Cleveland Booker, the person whose name I, I took, and you know how I'm trying to sort of carry on uh, his legacy. So that's another interesting thread for us to carry forward. You know, who And if you're not Cleveland Booker, who's Cleveland Booker? They, as they planned, they they, they drop the warp drive. They basically uh, set it out. The, you know, we see the drop. I thought it was particularly funny that the, and we've seen warp ejections from starships over the course of history of Star Trek. I thought it was very weird that it like clangs off the walls a few times. Doesn't that seem a little dangerous? Uh, It basically clangs down this, this uh, shaft out into the open area of this giant bay inside the Viridian. Uh, Then there's this sort of tense moment where Burnham says, okay, now jump, jump, please jump, jump. And, you know, we're waiting for this sort of moment of of communion between Book and the Spores. And then we see an external shot of the Viridian and the Viridian basically just goes kablooey from the outside, just absolutely pasted. And then we cut and we see the, the view of the Navarre and Federation fleet starfleet uh who have backed off who are sort of watching this thing just go up in flames and we're not sure if they got out or not although i think we know we then uh cut to the holodeck on the the lithium planet and um wait why are we having smoke-
0: the question i have is why hmm. all of a sudden is it called the Dilithium Planet when it had a name? Well,
1: it the planet didn't have a name, right? The planet oh, okay. was inside the Veruben Nebula, right? Yeah, because... It, it's a, it, it's it, a planet made of Dilithium inside the Veruben Nebula. Okay, okay. Because, yeah, because I know that Vance calls it the Dilithium Planet later, but... Yeah, I don't think they pers- had specifically named the planet. Okay. The Nebula itself has a name, mm. so I, I suppose it would be, you know, Verubin 1 or something, if it right? was
0: Star Trek, the original series, of course, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're back on onto the the hollow uh ship and there we see um sukal watches the hollow of his mom and his mom has recorded this before she was you know significantly ill and saying you know thank you for coming uh to whoever this is that rescues my son Again, you know stolen from uh, 2001 a space odyssey just got it. <laughs> we we really you know want to thank you for saving him uh you know please take him home to uh the kelpian homeworld and you know uh, you know, please, you know, bring him back to his grandfather and show him these traditions, and tell him when he looks up at the sky, he'll see, you know, the brightest stars in the sky are his mom and dad looking down on him. It's a really nice, you know, obviously sweet moment. And in this moment, to call, of course, sort of says, you know, so I am, I am the cause of this. Like I, I did all this bad stuff, and you know, Saru says, yeah, it was, it was an accident. You didn't mean to do this, and he says, yeah, but I, I want to help. I want to go outside. I want, I want to go outside here, and I want to fix it, and. You know the ship that they're on is starting to get even worse, starting to basically implode and, uh, you know, Culbert to Discovery, hello, hello Discovery nothing, and then finally we get the response from Burnham, okay we're here, we're here to rescue you, boof they get them all off, and they are finally reunited, we get that you know, it's all good we then cut back to Federation headquarters, and we're getting a little sort of recap of sort of, you know what's, now, now we're sort of safe, what's happening, um you know, Burnham is touched to see this, you know, reuniting moment between Stamets and Culber and Adira on board of the, uh, the the Discovery. And she sort of looks over and Stamets sort of gives her a look and then sort of turns his back on her. And you can tell, obviously, from that body language, he's still furious with her for her, her decision to remove him from the ship and, and remove the possibility of him being there to, to rescue his partner and, and their uh, pseudo-adopted daughter or uh, child, I should say. Um, we go over, we see a little little montage where we see Reno working on the DOT robot, the DOT-23 that saved Owo and brings it back to life. So that's a nice little uh, moment where it's not, obviously, it wasn't uh, just a sacrifice. It was, uh, you know, something where it could be repaired. And then we get a little recap that, you know, this this huge milestone, the chain has fallen apart, the Trill have rejoined the Federation. We see that Saru has gone to Kaminar with Sukal. And the people are celebrating a little, the investment on the Cloud City. That's yeah. right. We go to Cloud City yeah. where we see the Ewoks singing the Yub Yub song, yeah. which is pretty hot. <laughs> uh, they topple the Emperor statue, which I think is nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we get a nice reunion. And Luke and Leia, yeah. yeah and then dies. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, we get a reunion between Burnham and Lieutenant Sahil, who of course we saw uh, in the first episode of the season. So again, another little bookend where, you know, uh, they are, you know, sort of cross each other's paths and he sort of says, yeah, you did it. Good job. Um, so Burnham's on her way to go meet with Vance. Vance tells this little story about his daughter and how his daughter, you know, wasn't interested in doing math the, the right way. She was interested in doing it her way. She didn't want to do it with numbers. She wanted to do it with pictograms. And she says, you know, yeah, he says, you know, yeah, she, she didn't want to do it the right way. She wanted to do it her way and somehow it worked. And, you know, I stood here and I ripped into you for doing things uh, about doing things the right way, but you did them your way and your way worked. And, you know, I, I, I can't argue with the results it worked not exactly the most starfleet thing i've ever heard no. but sure yeah. and he basically says you know uh saru is is on uh kaminar you, it's time you you need to be captain burnham and uh he's you know she sort of says well i'd really rather wait until saru gets back i'd really rather you know you know obviously have that conversation with him and he says sorry but you know we're we're now mining that Delithium planet and we're not you know obviously we're worried about dilithium going kaboom anymore we need to get dilithium to some of the outer planets to some of the outer uh, federation um, worlds that have been so isolated for so long you know i need your answer right now and then we of course cut to back to disco we see burnham walking the halls in a crisp new set of uniform and uh you know which is just replicated and she walks onto the bridge and the whole crew sort of basically lines up all in their nice crisp new uniforms and she plunks herself down in the the command chair and of course and, you know uh, they show all the faces and of course stamets is like oh okay yeah he's he seems sort of grudgingly happy for her again i think obviously there's a, a, rec- a reckoning coming next season about that that fractured relationship but mm-hmm. uh, yeah she sits down in the chair she gets a big smile on her face and you know as we had the funny uh conversation earlier in this season where tilly and saru are trying to figure out what's the catchphrase what do i say when i want the team to go is it engage how do i do this and she sits down in the chair and says let's fly and boof, off they go they're going to go bring dilithium to the uh, the far reaches of the of the federation and uh yeah and then the final theme comes up and the theme is the classic alexander courage end theme from the original series mm-hmm. once again mm-hmm. for the for finale the um yeah so man talk about a hold my beer episode holy <laughs> moly they packed in a lot of stuff Jeez, yeah. that, was, that was a lot so hopefully i did it some justice you forgot but, about the gourmet Gormander. Well, I, I, I put the gormander at the beginning. I figured that was a bit of an extraneous point, anyway. Well, we but,
0: talked about it on the previous show where we had these big, giant, sort of lion fishy things floating around that nobody mentioned. And of yeah. course, at the beginning, and they, they
1: did actually bring it in back. At the beginning, yeah. they have
0: this big, whole, long, you know, two minute long description of what a gormander is, and yeah. as it disappears into the holodeck. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so the 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 biggest question I had was if she, if Burnham's the captain at the end of this yeah. episode and Saru isn't there, I assume we can say that. If he comes back he would be the first officer although i think it's really weird that he wouldn't be the captain again but who's the first officer yeah Mm. yeah that's a good question i don't ensign
0: tilly clearly she's the most qualified right as as, as (laughs) (laughs) and Nielsen,
1: baby? Well, Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'd almost put my money on Owo, because she sort of rose to the occasion in this episode, too, right? But Yeah, um, so I mean, she was talking, here's the thing, she was talking
0: about the fact she could hold her breath for 10 minutes, right? So I mm -hmm. don't know about you, but when you're holding your breath, can you actually speak
1: uh, no, but I think what her point was, she she basically says, I have been holding my breath for the last 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, because she said they used to do the deep diving sort of thing, right? So, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I think what she basically says, like, up until you made me speak, I had been holding my breath.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, you guys are both watchers of Arrow, right? Mm-hmm. So, Janet Kidder, who plays Osira, mm-hmm. was mayor somebody or other in Arrow. I, mm. There was a big debate between, I found the picture online. Where'd it go? Um, it was on the, uh, on the, Safari. Where's the Safari? Debate
2: because um, the prosthetics for the Orion species make her look different enough for people to doubt.
0: Yeah, Ruve Adams, she was like there's a poster here, Mayoral Debate between Oliver Queen and Ruve Adams.
1: Yeah, I, I do remember that storyline. she wasn't really a major character. Yeah, she's also she was... one
0: of the characters in the um the Man from High Castle.
1: Oh huh, yeah. I haven't so, seen that. Yeah. She, uh, she was doing that thing again this week where her voice okay, was like, I didn't, so I was listening for that. I was listening accent. for that and
0: I didn't notice any, she sounded like a Canadian to me. So I don't, I don't, I was going to go go back and watch last week's episode too. Um, cause yeah. I know there was some odd pronunciations, but I don't know that I would necessarily think she was putting on an accent. Right.
1: Again, I, she, it wasn't quite as, I think prevalent as I found it last week, but there was like a couple of lines where she delivered where it almost sounded like a mm. pseudo British accent. Mm. And I was just like, why are you doing that? Uh, um, I don't know. many did you catch it at all? Did, did any of that stand out to you? Yeah. I did hear
2: a little bit of, of accentuation going on there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, maybe she was just sort of, you know, trying something that was theoretically an Oranian accent or something, but to me it just, it didn't land and she's dead now, which yeah. whatever. Which is I interesting
0: mean, that, that they've already got her, her, the year of her death on um, memory alpha. Mm.
1: Right. Um, I was just looking at her yeah, page. We, we talked about it last week. You know, I I was of the opinion that I think, you know, it's one of the issues we talk about about comic book movies and about, you know, uh, sci-fi movies in general is that there's an an awful predilection in a lot of places to killing villains in a in a two hour movie or in a single season where it's basically like this villain is the all power of a villain, but they're dead by the end of the season. I feel like it, I think it would have been more interesting in its way to have her continue to be an ongoing thing. Thing, but I feel like there's almost this need now to wrap up seasons with with boat, bows on them, where yeah. you know you can't, um, yeah, you can't go forward and you can't, you know, you have to basically, you know, end it and move on to something completely different. I think Osira could have been a really interesting, and the chain could have been a really interesting thorn in their side, like the Klingons were, like the Romulans were, like yeah, she you could know. have had her
0: spinning off in her her X wing fighter at the end of the end of the episode, that way you know you know she's going to come back at some point, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know. There was probably a way that you could have written that where she didn't have to get, you know, shot through the wall of goo. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... She did have to like get say, defeated,
0: though, I mean, that admittedly.
1: Of course she yeah. did, but I, I think you could have, you know... it To me, it just doesn't hold water that if this thing, is, as this group of mercantiles is as big as they claim, that it would just suddenly implode with her death. That, to me, doesn't seem as plausible. To me, it makes much more sense that, you know, she dies, someone else takes her place, because it's basically a militaristic uh, mercantile organization, yeah. and of course, there would be the next person to rise up and take the power when the vacuum is there. That's how that works in crime syndicates, right? Like, crime syndicates don't just go away because one person, yeah, the dead. next in line steps up and he's now the one, right? Yeah, to me, that uh, seemed like a bit of a convenience, which you know, then it, it's possible they could always write it back as well. You know, there are remnants of the chain out there, or, or however they want to do it, or, or again, maybe they'll just be a new big bad. For next year but um i feel like that was just maybe a bit of a missed opportunity and i thought she was an interesting villain and, and the chain as this sort of large entity was a potentially good um foil for the federation for longer than just uh, well so i was thinking too like 10 so episodes. so
0: you know now they're gonna have this you know discovery is gonna take like a couple of uh, skids of, of dilithium to various places around and how are they not going to run into another zara right like how are they not going to yeah. run into like some sort of piratey you know place or they, they take the data Lithium, and then somebody runs off with the dilithium and you know or or you get the corrupt you know despot who hoards it and doesn't give it give it out to his people and whatever they could have all those mm-hmm. kind of plot lines coming up in the future right so
1: well it seems like they can do some really good like episode of the week you know kind of things back to sort of oh we have to go to this place and we oh we haven't been to this planet in a long time you can you know you're basically it's it's a whole season of reunification mixed with you know the the sort of original star trek uh no. Uh, Planet of yeah, the Week yeah. missions. Well, now they're Planet Express, right? Because they're delivering lithium around the world. <laughs> pretty much. <You> know? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, so we've gotten to the end of this one. Obviously, again, we, we knew this was going to be what it is, which is you know a jam packed episode. But now we're to the end of a a total season. This first season where they are you know fully set in the future yeah. and and we're sort of there. What uh, what are your impressions? How do you guys feel about season three? As well, a whole I mean, now? this is
0: this is my my problem with season one and two was how, like they have all this cool tech how does it fit into you know uh, like even how does it even dovetail into like Christopher Pike or whatever or, or Spock and you know like it doesn't to me they should have um, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this in 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 art terms my my old art teacher used to say if you're gonna draw draw a line towards the corner like don't go right into the corner that's too easy you have to you have to miss the corner right like if mm-hmm. you're with a diagonal mm-hmm. line or whatever and he called that a near miss, right and from an aesthetic point of view that's more interesting to the eye than the easy thing which is going to the corner or if you if we were doing sculptures like if we were carving clay or carving um plaster or whatever we he, he would in a, in a first year he would let us drill holes through all the way through with our knives right because so that's again that's the easiest thing to do and and most young artists will just do that right so it's kind of like like they they're they're going for too they they're being too easy in 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 how they're doing this, they they could try and be a little bit different, you know. Hmm. Like they could try, they could try not to hit the corner and try, you know, have a come close, you know, and. and Give them more, more. I I lost my original point because I don't forget what your question was. But (laughs) well, the question was
1: like, what are our overall
0: feelings about season three? So the near miss thing. So for me, I think it's better. Like Deep Space Nine didn't try to be, you know, Voyager or the Next Generation. Voyager didn't try to be the Next Generation either, because with Voyager they had this accident. They get, you know, shot like, you know, three quadrants away, and then they have to figure out how to get back or whatever like they they become the lost in space of of the of the 90s right mm-hmm. um so it wasn't trying to fit into the same box that that uh, the next generation fit into right and and by the same token the next generation didn't do that either they kind of they didn't have the five-year mission and go to regular five and whatever right the kind of thing that that did in the original season so so trying to dovetail this into you know bef- like between um enterprise and the original series right like it, to me it felt like the, pre- the the prequels in Star Wars right like no mm. let's not do that let's just take this ship fire it 900 years into the future or whatever or set the story 900 years in the future what will the inter- what will the Federation look like then to me the third season storytelling was I, I should say I mean the the mirror universe was always fun right but but this being often you know way out of the frame of reference of the other shows is a much better approach mm-hmm. I mean it, it, you know Admittedly, every sing, every season, you know, we start off with Michael Burnham, she messes up, you know, she's like Lucy with the, with the conveyor belt, you know, <laughs> and the chocolates, and they're all over the place, and she's in trouble again, and she's got some splaining to do. By the end of the season, she's, you know, sewed everything up, and she's the hero again, right? So mm. that's getting a little tiring. Yeah. How about you, Jaime?
2: Yeah, I... I um, I do like the the fact that it's in the future where they've got a little bit more room to play. Um, they don't; they're not quite as confined. I think they were better in the mixture of of how serialized is this versus how much of this um, sort of adventure of the week. It's it's closer to the, the balance that Deep Space Nine had in its final season, as an example, um, where mm-hmm. there is a, a through line of a story, but you don't need to have like literally watched every episode to get what's going on, um, mm. and and so. Hopefully Hopefully for next season, they can help balance that a little bit. I do think the way they interspersed some of the stories didn't make a ton of sense. Well, I think we talked about an episode or two ago of like, hey, why did they intercut between the two things? They, they could have just had all of this one topic in one episode and all of this other topic in a different episode and then bring them mm-hmm. together in, in a third. So that's something there. Um, I do think that uh, I think I enjoyed the episode. I, I still need to sort of ruminate and feel like how does it compare to the other two? Um, I think that uh, it it feels like it's fitting into uh, a better space here right because i i was actually pretty happy that they they didn't go certain routes that i just assumed they were going to go to um like you know i totally thought oh vance is like you know sneaky bad guy in disguise or mm-hmm. or if he's not bad guy then he's like the incompetent admiral that is a, another trope and he didn't hit either one mm-hmm. of those i mean he was i think re- if you look at his character arc he's kind of uh, not unreasonably but certainly harsh at, at the beginning we we're like who the heck are these people People, are they are they time war people try to create more you know temporal accords violating stuff okay it seems like they're not but i i also don't knew know you from like random person on the street so how do i know what you're capable of and i feel like he he over the course of the season learned a lot about what they were like and he actually gave them pretty good advice right he gave advice to saru he um, was totally willing at the end to destroy the discovery if he had to and sacrifice them but mm-hmm. he didn't like turn it into the crazy obsession like once he figured out okay i think i'm gonna trust michael here right like i think there was a good balance with his character that i i think could have gone wrong and in, in other sort of
0: uh tropey ways mm, mm-hmm. yeah what was missing too was speaking events was the sort of or the sort of coming into this new federation is they didn't have to go off and learn how to use a microwave oven or a cell phone or uh you know a tv remote or a pvr like, like they just we were, we're meant to assume like you, you can imagine how like you take take like somebody who was born in the turn of the century, last century, bring them into now, even like a hundred years later, and then they wouldn't know how to cross the street. You know what I mean? Like, so there wasn't that sort of debriefing that they did with with the, the discovery crew. That 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 was the sort of implausibility part for me. You know, like you've gone that far into the future, like how do you even know how to use a, a personal transporter device? You know, like like that that part was sort of odd. And I made a comment about that the first time we saw them start using their new combat just that they just kind of like, oh, look at this this one has apps and you know
1: yeah I love that they didn't really give them proper training as evidenced by Linus teaching them how the new shit, toilets and stuff like that you know what I mean like yeah they don't even know how to use the three, seas- just three seashells right <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yeah I think uh, I I think I probably the season was a little inconsistent but I did like the concept better I think maybe than the previous two seasons yeah. I found it like you Tim I, I struggled with this when it was originally pushed forward as a as a sort of a gap filler between enterprise in the original series because i always struggle with prequels because to me it seems like a bit of a cheat and it also seems as we saw with enterprise it seems really hard to to ma- manage right you know oh we've never met ferengi before except for this time oh we've never met the borg before except for this time like it's just it, it's just too and easy where, to fall into, into bad habits Zindi go? where
0: did this go in the other series right like there's no yeah Zindi, right? like
1: it, they're just there's just some bad habits that you can fall into as a as a writing team and as a as a science fiction show, especially when, you know, first season, sure, you got lots of good ideas, but by the time you get to seasons two, three, four, whatever, you start falling back into bad habits. And people are like, well, I love Star Trek. What I really love about Star Trek is the Borg. Well, you know, you're in a prequel. You're not going to see the Borg, but I really want to see the Borg. Otherwise, I'm not going to watch, gonna watch your show.
0: Contact. that's the best episode of the Borg, right? <laughs>
1: Sure, But I think the idea of this where they made it to the future and the goal was to get to the future and to stay in the future. It was never like, oh, we have to find a way home. Like, oh, you know, like the mission now is, you know, drop off the spore data and say, uh, you know, sphere data and and, you know, let's get back to where we came from. Like, no, they were committed to this as the strategy. It was go here and do this. And the fact that they did that and then just started their uh, adventures anew in the future to me seemed like a. A really nice way to come at this from a fresh perspective where it really is, you know, a new frontier. It is an unexplained and, and unexplored world for them and one where they suddenly had this weird upper hand by having this spore drive. I thought some of those ideas were really, really interesting. I'm not sure I fully enjoyed how they were realized every episode, but I, I liked that more than the, you know, I like the first season because the mirror universe stuff I'm, I can never get enough mirror universe. That stuff is fantastic. The Klingon stuff was not my favorite yeah, I that. yeah you know but i did like the Lorca stuff season two again i thought there's some interesting stuff in there but the whole like who is the red angel and the whole mystery of that like sure it was good you know it wasn't wasn't terrible but i think when they, i think they, about they, that
0: they saved the red angel for like the second to last episode like you didn't know it was yeah. michael burnham spoilers for those of you who haven't watched it but you didn't know it was it was her until nearly the end Whereas we knew that, that Sukal was the burn dude, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this one, again, I think some of the execution wasn't as good as the ideas behind it, but I do like that they basically, if this is the season where they're in the future, they're getting climatized, they're figuring out where they fit in, they're getting the trust of the Federation and, the, and Starfleet, and they're starting to sort of mend a fractured Federation, and then we carry that forward. I'm excited about where the potential of those stories could go yeah, yeah. more than I was previously. Like, I wasn't like, oh my God, I can't. Can't wait to see what old fart you know oh Harry Mudd's here like yeah, again the, har- the performance of the Harry Mudd
0: Pike and Spock those to me those were riding crutches right like
1: and they were executed exceptionally well I think I think Rain Wilson was fantastic as Mudd I think that that the performances of you know the new actors as Spock and and number one and um you know Pike and the the rebuilt Enterprise looks fantastic and I'm excited mm-hmm. for that series as well yeah. however I still feel like you're right. It's it was an absolutely it was just like well you know okay and then they ran into the Enterprise you know like I like the possibility of a fresh new world. There's the reason why I really liked and and fell in love with and is still my favorite is is the Next Generation because it was new. Yeah, it was something else. It's the thing that Star Wars needs to get its head around. It's the thing that has made Marvels so, not have so all the Skywalkers successful. turn up all the time. Right? Stop going back to that. Well, start telling new stories. Start looking into different ways to approach these things stop looking backwards start i mean the mandalorian was
0: great i mean i mean yeah okay admittedly yes i love the mandalorian the whole series and stuff like that and don't get me wrong i'm a huge luke skywalker fan but he did not have to be the solution to that series
1: no no and and nor nor did he have to be the you know the one in the second you know the second of the new trilogy right like there didn't need to be, you know, let's bring everybody back and then kill them and and sort of retell the same classic stories, but in a different way. Like to me, this was at least something I'd never seen before. It was the far-flung future of a universe that we're familiar with, where things are similar, but not the the same, where there's, you know, elements that we recognize, but we're learning all new things about them. To me, that was tantalizing. And while it didn't deliver every morsel that I wanted from it, there was certainly enough meat on those bones for me to want to keep coming back every week and being really in invested in it like i wonder what you know even those those middle episodes where they were you know there was the trill there was the navar some of that stuff it was a, it was just interesting to reconnect with those worlds what mm-hmm, happens mm-hmm. that far in the future what happened yeah. with the romulans and the, and the stuff that picard's dealing with in the picard series how does that continue to play out over the course of time that's fascinating to me I, I like this universe i like these worlds that they've envisioned and i like that they're taking it forward and not just focusing on you know that one time period over and over and over again so so for me, that was a breath of fresh air this season that, you know, in spite of a little bit of inconsistency, that fresh take really made it a rewarding season for me.
0: Yeah, and and to, to that point, I mean, like like the Romulans and the Klingons in the original series and The Next Generation, they were they were the Lex Luthors of of that sort of universe, right? And and the Emerald Chain could have, and Emerald Chain and, and the Andorians sort of working together, you know, to be the foil to the Federation, that could that could, I mean, I don't know if they've killed off the siren, they've killed off that plot line, but I mean, there's no reason why, you know, they they couldn't sort of have them as sort of the always the mm-hmm. the people that try and take the you know flatten take the air out of the wheels and Planet Express as we go forward into season four, yeah. right? So
1: yeah, and and I get I, I get why obviously it's it's good from the you know the streaming service purposes for the people who digest one season at a time. I get why you want to sort of wrap these things up with a bow, like they have in their way. But yeah, it does to me feel like well, a can't bit of a long. Can we learn things from like
0: Ozarks and you know and Game of Thrones? Can't we learn that just because you have thirteen uh, I don't know thirteen episodes or whatever ten episodes? Like why does it have to end there? Why can't we just have? Why can't we you know solve the big problem? Find out who the burn was. Find the dilithium, and then have a cliffhanger like you know like yep. Macutis or something like that come along. Like why can't because because like uh, like I, 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 have you seen Ozarks?
1: No, that's on my. If on my to-do list for a while yeah, so, i like the performers in yeah it. i mean that's like totally lucy
0: with the with the, the conveyor belt kind of storyline right but mm-hmm. but every like every day there's or every episode there's like a new new twist and just when you think you know just when you think you're out they drag you back in again you know <laughs> like like it's literally like it's literally and it's funny I, I just on a side note here i keep seeing these these meme these like clickbaity websites where oh my god look what Netscape or Netflix has cancelled, right? Mm-hmm. And they always have mm-hmm. a picture of one of the characters from Ozarks on on the on, on the as the lead, right? And you're like, oh my god, no! And you go in there, and of course, it's been renewed, right? Because it's an awesome show. Yeah. But like, it's like putting you know, Tony Soprano on and saying, oh my god, you'll never guess what what uh, you know? I forgot what show he was on HBO. Sopranos. Sopranos no, I mean what HBO, yeah. these, what network was that on HBO? HBO. Oh, yeah. Like you know, oh, you'll never yeah. guess what HBO does, and they have a picture of Tony Soprano. You're like, yeah. oh my god, no! I got to click on this story and go, you know, but, but anyway, just, it's odd, I think it's funny that the Ozarks is like that, but I mean, like, you know what I mean, like, like Game of Thrones had sort of, you know, there was an arc in the season, but it kind of went from the beginning of, like, it, it, you know, there were big, you know, cliffhangers in, in, in the, you know, spoilery kind of stuff in the middle of the season, like, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you start just starting to hate this character, and the next thing you know, they're drinking poison wine, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, you know, why can't something like Discovery learn from that kind of storytelling that it doesn't have to be you know from one se- from one like it doesn't
1: have to be nicely tied up with a bow at the end of the season right? It can Yeah, well, it's funny because this is the first season. To be fair, this is the first season of the series that has wrapped up in a bow because the first season ends with the appearance of the Enterprise. Oh, that's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the second season ends with did they make it to the future? We didn't know for sure. I mean, obviously, I think we could extrapolate. It's funny though that in season three of all places, you'd think that now you feel a level of comfort that you're going to do whatever you want to do. You're going to well, do five so, seasons if that's what everyone's committed to, you're going to do seven if that's what they're all committed to. You think at that point that's where you start to take more chances and you start to a s- build a bigger world, so, right? So
0: let me let me let me ask you this question then, right? If this was all of a sudden the last episode of Discovery, is it is it wrapped up? I mean, do we really care sure. do we really
1: care or need to see Michael Burnham be captain? No, because I think there's a a symmetry to her starting point and her ending point yeah. from season 1 to season 3. Mm-hmm. The, the starting point of she is selfish, she is arrogant, she is you know all these things in the first one. Was she? She really? is. Oh yeah. She's humbled. Or, or the first first series or the first episode. Well, the first episode. She thinks she knows better than oh, okay. and ends up getting out killed. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's the the sort of the hubris of I'm smarter and I can see all the angles and I've got it all worked out. She ends up getting out killed and starting a war. Right. Um, oh yeah. Mind and mind and mind ending part. up in jail and everything else. So then we get her disgraced and then this whole series is about her, uh, you know, rise from the ashes, right? and so to go from that person who made those poor decisions and then paid the paid the price and then had to work her way back into it and earn trust and become a better person to now being the captain of the ship and having all these people respect her is you could make it a case is a good place to to wrap it up but by the same token Um, though it's
0: it's almost like she's like you know you're a screw up at your one job but you've got this qualification and you go leave and you go to another company and all of a sudden you're like the vp or something right mm -hmm, it's kind of like like the the, the current, the Federation, what year are we in? Like the 3900s or whatever it is? This yeah, Federation, 31st century. 31st century, This Federation doesn't know that she's the one that started the Klingon War. Well, because
1: they deleted all the records, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't know, mention that. Yeah, so I mean, so
0: this is, it just made her captain of the most powerful ship that they have, you know? Yeah. And yet yeah. They, they didn't, they didn't check her resume or call her references up, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I Jaime's mean, being I really know. quiet, so he's I,
1: obviously got a lot to say. I still think, <laughs> sorry, I just, I, before we <laughs> (laughs) jump in behind me i'm sorry to talk over you i'm just the one thing i want to raise is it would have just been a very simple and easy thing to do in this episode instead of saying oh the chain has fallen apart without Osiris. all you had to say in that little recap by vance is just to say did they say that the chain yeah she says you know with Osiris gone the chain is is basically fallen apart all they have to do is just say the chain's in disarray but they're still out there and that just sets up a, a much bigger universe whereas now they're like well the entire chain's gone like is it i don't know well this yeah, uh, sorry, the Zara I
0: mean. character on his own sorry Jaime. the zara character on his own <laughs> you know as being this guy who run who runs the little planet and he's like the the, the you know the big fish in the small pond mm. that was a cool character like they didn't why did they mm. have to bring him into the emerald chain right so mm-hmm. on his own he was he was and it, and they could have hundreds of those guys on all of the yeah. various planets right sorry Jaime. go ahead
2: no i i guess <laughs> it depends on how seriously we take this statement right is uh the the crime. The syndicate thing is is a good one where you you could have a transition to the the, the number two or the lieutenant or something. Kind of depends on the situation, and we didn't really see much beyond uh, Osira herself to say like, well, do the remaining people agree on who the the, the new chief should be? Or the uh, and I'm, I think this is a criticism of the way that dance and therefore the writers put it of like, well, are they no longer an issue because hey, they're pew pew pewing each other and they're kind of busy slowly running out of dilithium and like murdering each other is so, like whatever we'll just let them self implode and then go off and, and do other things and maybe this ends up coming to bite the Federation in the butt in season 4 of like oh hey so remember that thing I said was not a big deal it's actually a big deal now um, mm. kind of depends I think they could go either way with it um, and, and I do think uh, to your points about like yeah they kind of didn't need to kill Osira per se they still kind of had a pretty satisfying ending uh, I think you had hinted it like being kind of like the end of uh, Star Wars A New Hope where Darth Vader's still alive at the end, still very much uh, uh, a danger but yet the big problem of the day has been solved with the Death Star being destroyed. But it's pretty mm-hmm. satisfying mm-hmm. either way, right? Like if they'd never had another movie after that, he'd still be like, oh, okay you know, you can imagine that there's continuing stories but like, y- you're, you're good you're satisfied. I'm like, yes, the good guys won uh, but it left enough to say like, oh, uh, I'll get you next time Gadget with his fists waving in the air <laughs> Is yeah. what Send could be her to doing.
0: jail and have her escape next season. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they Magneto never yeah, like exactly. gets killed, and and you know, neither does Lex well, Luthor, right?
1: Like I say, that's that's one of the big problems, and that, you know, that was one of the issues that I think people had with you know, Phantom Menace, right? You introduce this really mysterious and and you know, uh, you know, very different Sith character in Dark workplace...
0: Uh, or, or, or yeah, so I thought you were talking <laughs> about the workplace accident that Snoke has.
1: Yeah, no, but I mean, this guy gets chopped in half. In the first episode, you're just like so. You had all this promotional stuff about this like bad new villain, but instead of having him fly off into space like like Vader did, he's one and done. And then you know you sort of continue that trend throughout you know subsequent films. And you know Marvel is just as guilty of doing this too. You know if you like think back to the totality of all those Marvel movies, how many villains live through those movies? Not many. Thanos is the most successful one. He's dead. He dies. Yeah. He dies in the last yeah. one. He gets snapped out of existence um you know there is not very many characters that survive and i think that that you know well one it's antithetical to comic books comic books are all about continuing and even if a character's dead he's not really dead so maybe there's a way to sort of bring these ones you know back that they've killed off but you know some of them are are one and done in just the way they are you're like i don't need to see anything more about that one but some of them you're like well you know uh you know does it make sense to have that character be killed does it make sense for that person to come back like loki was the villain in uh the first thor movie and he then he came back, back. <laughs> well that's it he keeps coming back but you know that's probably why he's the best villain that they've made so far so good that he's now got his own series coming on disney plus right, right um you know whereas you know you look at these some of the other characters that they've created you know the well we created you know the iron monger this giant iron robot you know villain to fight iron man in the first one and then he dies and then we create the red skull uh, for captain america And he dies. And then we create, you know, like, oh, Ant-Man. Oh, and then we kill the Yellow Jacket character. Oh, and then we create Ultron. And oh, he dies. And then we create Ronan the Accuser. And then he dies in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, they have just basically created and killed in the same thing over and over and over again. And I guess they think, okay, well, Marvel Comics have been around for 60 years. And in 60 years, they have this huge catalog of villains that they are never going to run out. But part of what makes them interesting, I think, is the, you know, I'll get you next time. Gadget exactly like Jaime was talking about, and I think that's you know we 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 can apply that to Trek, we can apply that to Star Wars, and all kinds of different franchises where you know I think it's limiting sometimes to kill these characters off. When you know, what if instead they come back and they reunite or they they gank they team up with somebody? Like you can go all kinds of different ways. I think, like I said, I think the Emerald Chain thing. I think there is something to be said for an overarching nemesis: the Klingons that were in the original series, the Romulans that were in the original series, uh, the Ferengi initially, and then the Borg in Next Generation, the Dominion in DS Nine. Uh, there, there's something to those. They're always out there. You never know when you're going to flick on your TV one week and be like, "Oh, damn, they're back!" You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's I mean, like, like, like the the, the Dalek, right? For me, sure. having watched you know Doctor Who all my life you know like oh not the dalek
1: again <laughs> well, the robot man the dalek the master the Cyberman, like yeah, they recycle exactly, yeah, the yeah. Cybermen. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. And,
0: and they've had speaking of which they've had yes this is
1: speaking of which let's let's
0: dovetail into that one
1: yeah so did you guys both have a chance to watch uh the new Year's special the revolution of the daleks
2: i did i, I have I did. not but i'm okay with spoilers <gasps> i'm okay with spoilers <gasps>
1: scandalous, I, scandalous.
2: I, I i it totally slipped my mind it's probably on the uh, on
0: the pvr as they say and i just it. podcast over
1: <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the final episode of spotcast yeah. <laughs> where we ruin everything um yeah i mean we'll, we'll keep it in broad generalities i think you know a lot of it was sort of um we knew it, we knew going in that there was going to be a sort of a changing of the guard we knew that uh that a couple of the characters were moving on and that there was you know uh a few characters that were sort of coming back um and it, it it was it was not the best holiday special I can I can say. Mm. Um I, <laughs> So Captain Jack comes back. We knew he was coming back. John Barrowman as, as Jack Harkness. Yeah. Always a delight. So yeah. much fun. Mm-hmm. Such a great character. Uh and then we got, you know, a little bit of the the conclusion. Well, obviously we left uh the doctor. She was imprisoned for um for evading the Jadun, right? The Jadun were were mad at her and put had put her in jail at the end of the last uh season finale for for the last season. Right. And so she she turns up back on Earth just in time for there to be this uh, um, you know, the revolution of the Daleks. The Daleks are basically reborn on Earth, and then there's a huge conflict. And there's also this sort of larger conflict of you know, uh, she's been traveling with Graham and Ryan and Yaz for the past few years. Uh, obviously, having three companions has b- both been interesting and it's also been a little laborious sometimes. Like I gotta admit, I don't necessarily feel like I always liked having that many people to get to know and yeah. and the dynamics between them and stuff. I, it wasn't my favorite group of well, except that they Split into
0: sort of two, like they did the, in this episode, where you know um, Yaz and, and um, Captain Jack go off and do one sort of investigation, and
1: yeah, and Graham and Ryan yeah, go on the other one. The other yeah, one, yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, I did like, yeah. I did like the 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 um, I did like the the whole um, where's the doctor kind of deal, and, and she's in this really mm-hmm. interesting jail, and how does she get out of it, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, I, I didn't, don't remember. Did she get arrested? Yeah, you said she got arrested for the by the gym, yeah, it's, you know, it's, the, it's the
1: very end of the the previous episode she defeats the master with the help of um yeah. the the uh, gatekeeper mm-hmm. he basically destroys all organic life on gallifrey including all the time lords who were already killed by the master killing theoretically killing the master theoretically killing all the enhanced uh, cybermen and um she takes the, she takes her TARDIS and escapes. Mm-hmm. And then she programs another TARDIS to send everybody else home. And then when she's on her TARDIS, she's like, whew, we made it. And then on to her TARDIS transport the J'dun. And they basically put her into this giant jail. Right. Right. That was a cool date. So that's cool. where we pick up. Cool jail though. Yeah. I mean, I, it was an interesting
0: episode. I mean, um, I did like the sort of twist on, on, you know, how they,
1: they, uh, with Mr. Big, right. Uh, yeah, Chris Knoth, yeah. of course. Uh, Mr. Big yeah, from Mis- Sex and the City Mr. was the Big. sort of uh, Donald Trump-esque villain in this one. Yeah, where he... This this businessman who's really kind of... Accidentally... Uh, slimy... Accidentally
0: you know. makes, uh, you know, the regenerate... Or actually, it's Re- not him, but the other guy, the other character. It's the
1: scientist he's working with, yeah. yeah. yeah accidentally. Yeah, he decides to monetize the the uh, cadaver, the casing for a, uh, for a Dalek. And then, accidentally, the Daleks are basically brought back to life on Earth and... And, and uh, he's trying to figure out how to make money off all of it. And yeah.
0: right. so, I mean, you know, it, it, I thought it was a good episode. And again, I, I just like I like her a lot, um, Jody Whitaker. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Yaz too. Um, but you know, it's it's funny. I think I think we know that that uh, Bradley Walsh and and um, Toss and Cole are leaving the show. I don't know if that was their choice or whatever. But
1: yeah, we knew we we I think reported that in a previous episode of the show. We knew that they were uh, as Graham and Ryan were leaving the show mm-hmm. and. and And I think that wrapped up in a somewhat satisfactory way. Yeah. You know, the idea is that the doctor is in in prison and when she returns, she returns almost a year later and they've sort of settled back into life on Earth. Yaz is not happy to be there. Ryan is. And then Graham decides to stay because he wants to continue building his relationship with Ryan. Yeah, his grandson. Yeah, yeah, his grandson. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it was a sort of a a logical way to have them leave the show. So the show is obviously moving forward forward for its next season with uh the team of of um Jody Whittaker as the the doctor and um Mandeep Gill as Yaz yeah um, yeah I don't know I don't know it'll be interesting to see what how the dynamic changes with the two of them you know there have been um, some rumors out there that they may be coming romantically involved which would be an interesting twist yeah. on the, the whole doctor thing too mm-hmm. um, but um, although
0: the doctor yeah. the doctor does have in the past has had um, flirtations with the companions he's never actually had a relationship with them
1: well he, he kind of had one with Rose well Rose yeah she was different yeah yeah. you know that one was, but, uh, yeah, his relationship with Rose was, was sort of, you know, more, more of a love thing, although it didn't really work out the way that, um, I think was sort of ideal for him at that point. But eventually Jaime, you'll go back and watch all previous, uh, 11 seasons, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> I suppose I could. It's avoided, uh, a boy that, uh, handy dandy link <laughs> there
1: to, to, uh, oh wait, was that to crave? Cattle? Yeah, I don't, I don't have crave. Ooh, yes, it was crave. Yeah. No, it's, um. Yeah, again, it was, wasn't a bad conclusion, I guess. You know, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they how they sort of bridge this to the next season. Like, sometimes it can really be a kickoff point, And sometimes it's obviously it's, um you know, it's just sort of a one-off, you know, little holiday adventure. Um, I don't know. This one, it didn't knock my socks off, but it wasn't bad. Like, it was sort of, you know, again, a solid three out of five, right? Mm-hmm. It's just nice to see the characters. Although, I must admit, I had to go back and watch rewatch the finale from before because it had been quite a while. Like, it was, what, last spring, I guess? Yes, um, or end of last year it would have been quite a while since the last episode. Yeah, so. I mean,
0: I, I, but it wasn't necessary. I mean, I didn't do that, and, and you know, I mean, they could have to be for me. They could have started with the doctor in in this giant prison jail thing, which is not on, unusual for a, a doctor series to start, or even a Christmas special to start, right? Like some mm-hmm. like, like Christmas specials, um, and this, now it's New Year's, right? But they're generally disconnected from the series. Like you know, it's the same doctor, um, but but there's some, some, you know, they're in a completely different place and it's like a 90 minute or two hour um, presentation and it's, you know, it's meant to, they're meant to stand alone, right? These, these episodes, right? So they don't have to tie in to the season, which, so for them to start with her off in jail, to me, wouldn't have made any difference, you know, from, from continuity, continuity, continuity point of view, right? So.
1: Well, I, I'm curious. I'm curious to see how the dynamics change because it will be obviously very female centric if it's the two, both yeah. the companion and the doctor are female. Yep. and it'll be interesting to see how they uh how they carry that forward for a season, especially if it's going to be an abbreviated season and theoretically could be the last season for Jody Whittaker. I think it'll be really interesting to see how they how that mix works mm-hmm. but um but still no report. we have no idea when that season's coming either, so buckle up could be a while still
0: all alrighty Shall we move on to our watch list? yeah, yeah I saw this one earlier sure. grogu pains i mean
2: yeah uh grogu pains is a uh about a minute and a half spoof of the Mandalorian with um Everything with this cropping, this four by three cropping, and music and 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 sort of texture and color patina that it has to it of what if this show, The Mandalorian, was a '90s sitcom? And and the name there is uh, you all should know this because you talk about Canada's own Alan Thick and his uh, his very popular TV show from the '90s, Growing Pains. So they, they they choose the font and everything, and it's kind of fun seeing everybody give the little. Um, looking at the camera sort of thing that was really popular for oh we've, we're showing you who the actor is sort of thing or the 90s so it's a cute one.
0: Cool, yeah
2: the other one i have since it seems to be the uh the day that, that youtube keeps giving me mandalorian stuff is uh, another spoof this <laughs> one's only 30 seconds on a very very low budget called uh, every budget every episode of the mandalorian which is hilarious was like hey here's this problem no mandalorian we don't like you 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 have to do this thing for us okay i did the thing oh no baby yoda did something funny just kind of an interesting
1: spoof <laughs> of the of the show's structure that uh that reminds me of the the meme that they had about um every episode of walking dead for the first few seasons it was like carl don't go there carl went there <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh and somebody died because carl went there yeah, yeah exactly what do you got for us john uh, i mean i it's obviously yeah for this one it, you know no brainer ones for me so uh, you know coming up this week we're going to get uh, both One Division and Disenchantment are both dropping next week two series uh, that I'm really looking forward to Disenchantment obviously heading into its third season mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see how they carry that forward that one has had some interesting because the, there are that sort of mix of um, one-off episodes um, but there is kind of a through line through it of you know the, the story of, uh, of Princess Tiavini and, and you know uh, the sort of larger world that she's getting into. And the trailer looks pretty, pretty fun. So that one's definitely on my radar for this week. And then, um, and Division, I mean, uh, you know, this is the first one we're going to see of, uh, you know, the real MCU related content on Disney plus, and it will be really interesting to see one, how they continue to evolve these characters and two how, you know, how high production value, how good these look. Mandalorian has been as every bit as good as a star Wars film. I don't feel like I've been cheated as far as the effects as far as the quality as far as the you know level of production as far as the um, performers as far as the direction like it's it's been a, a triple plus i think it'll be very exciting to see if that's the level of quality that we're looking forward to as we head into the mcu expansion onto disney plus um you know what what, what already looks like it's going to be a very promising thing could be you know just incredibly captivating mm-hmm. uh, material and again to get you know paul bettany and and um, to get Elizabeth Olsen and to get, you know, these different actors, you know, on your TV screen doing a, a series. They also announced this week, as uh, so the series was originally supposed to be six episodes, they bumped it is now nine episodes they announced hmm. too. So we're going to get nine weeks of uh, of this, which is, um, it's even longer than a season of Mandalorian. So interesting. And, uh, and I'm really curious to see what the quality level's like and, and sort of where they take these characters. I'm, Vision and Scarlet which was one of the series that i first gravitated to when i started getting into marvel comics in the uh early mid 80s when i was a little boy um the avengers were were sort of ones that caught my eye and uh those were two of my favorite characters they actually had their own mini series at that point so they've always been favorites of mine and the fact that they're kicking off with that is just an extra special thrill for me so i am 100 percent in and, and really looking forward to uh seeing what they do with that
0: so vision and wanda were were already a, a, a like a set of books
1: yeah, so they were characters that were uh, originally in uh well um they were members of the Avengers together Mm -hmm. and then they were romantically involved Ah, and then they spun them off and they did a, originally they did a four issue limited series with the two of them on their own, where they, some of it looks like it echoes this series a little bit. It's about them sort of settling in to this suburban life and getting used to that. Mm -hmm. They did this sort of four issue series and and that was decent. And then a few years later, about three or four years later, they did a second series that was a uh, sort of a maxi series. They did a year long series. It was 12 issues that um again sort of expanded and that was you know the one where you know she has uh you know that they decide to really settle into their lives they quit the Avengers mm. um they they want to sort of strike out on their own and and they have their own sort of adventures based on that and and that's where they really sort of got me as characters that i i knew that i wanted to sort of follow and and have been for the last uh you know
0: 40-ish years <laughs> yeah so it makes sense that they're sort of doing the, the bewitched thing where you know the the supernatural person is trying to live like a normal lifestyle mm-hmm. right um, so, mm-hmm. so she started out as in the movie she started out as, as uh, someone with powers with her brother or something like that or
1: yeah well in the movie she shows up in Age of Ultron as somebody who is imbued with powers mm-hmm. by Loki's staff uh, okay. working with Hydra and it's her and her brother is Pietro who is Quicksilver right? Uh, the, the speedster mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and uh, spoilers again the, co- the course of that movie of course Pietro dies um, saving Hawkeye and a little boy. Um, and then she, uh, by the end of the film joins the Avengers and, and sort of carries her, her legacy forward there on the positive side. That does actually echo her story from the comic books where in the comic books, she actually makes her debut as a villain, right. as a member of the brotherhood of evil mutants, uh, working with Magneto and Quicksilver. Um, they're working with him and then they decide to sort of redeem themselves. And, uh, then Captain America, when he's, uh, basically building a new team of Avengers in, uh, Avengers 16, Drafts the two of them to become uh, members of the Avengers, and um, yeah, it's 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 interesting to sort of see that they have some of these parallels that they've sort of worked through. The problem is, is that they didn't have the rights to mutants. They are uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet, which are mutants in the comic books, and because they didn't have the rights to the mutant characters at that point, right. they were all owned by Fox. They couldn't do it that way. They came up with this sort of weird. They were powered by the the scepter thing. So I w- a bit, I'm a little bit curious to see if they retcon that sometime in the next little while in in the comic books, too. Uh, Not the comics, in the movies, rather, Mm -hmm. to be more like the comics. But yeah, I'm I'm curious. I'm really curious to see where they take this. It looks weird. It looks um, a little dark. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see how this all comes together. Okay, cool. So my two picks here were... Um,
0: they, they were born of our discussion last week about download codes mm. and uh, so the story is that you know uh, National Ballet of Canada in order to raise some money this year they couldn't put on their annual Nutcracker um, mm. set of ballets which are you know and I mean buying tickets for the ballets is like buying tickets for a hockey game or whatever they're they're not inexpensive they're not cheap right um, they're they're pr- you know, it's a pretty pricey thing if you want to go see ballets but you want to take your kids with you too right um, so you know we Purchased, uh, uh, pre ordered uh, the National Ballet for home premiere um, early in December, and we were supposed to get around to watching them. And it wasn't until, and it, so we pre ordered in November, you know, December 4th is when they, they became available on the streaming service. And um, then, you know, and, and it's the same deal, you know, you start watching it, you have 48 hours to watch it, and then after 30, 30 days from when you first, you know, first available, you, you you no longer get to watch it again, right? So similar to the same... Um rental deal that you have with with other other streaming services however um, on the 28th day you know um, my partner went to go looking for this show and watch it and couldn't figure out how to get it to download and it turned out that the <laughs> it wasn't on the streaming service for even 30 days so oh. so even <laughs> if so if you had bought like if you sat down and watched it in early December you would have been fine but because we waited so long and, and of course you know I contacted Cineplex who was handling this and uh, back in and forth, and back and forth, and I've had have had a few situations with them in the past where I've reached out to their their support people, and and they've they actually been very generous with me, right? Like I think one one time we were you and I were going to go see some movie, and uh, of course we have the Scotiabank Theatre here in Toronto, which we talked about; it's closing down soon, right? And uh, one day I went in to buy tickets, and it was like got to get them right away because I think it was like a, like akin to a Star Wars thing or something like that, right? You know where you, where you know you know they're going to go fast, right? Mm-hmm. And I went in to buy them, and I bought. Scotia Bank Theatre and it turned out to be Scotia Bank Theatre in Saskatchewan oh yeah so I contacted them and said hey made a mistake what can you do and they went oh yeah I totally understand and they refunded the entire purchase which is like you know the, the terms are once you buy the tickets you bought the tickets right mm-hmm. but you know because there was no way I'm going to commute to Saskatchewan to watch a movie they they basically were very generous and did that so I reached out to them about this nutcracker and um, they they checked it out they got the order number they looked in to it, and they realized that you know it was still within the thirty-day window, and the title was no longer available because I guess their deal with the National Ballet had you know was was only for a certain number of weeks, or whatever. Um, so they they credited back the, the purchase, right, which is great. But as a bonus for for customer service, they gave me two rental codes, huh. right? So I got to watch a regular rental, not a not a home premiere one, whatever. So the first one I wasted the code on, and, and I realized I wasted it on because I could have rented it for ninety. Cents on iTunes. If I thought about it, was Bill and Ted's Face the Music.
1: Oh right, All right. right.
0: Um, I know you said last week you had not seen any of the movies. How many have you ever seen Bill and Ted? Any of the? Any of the two, I've two seen the first movies? two. I've not seen the latest sequel. I think there's three actually, right? But anyway, no, no. Was, there was two before. This is the third. Okay, yeah. So you know, I, and I, I, you know, I hadn't really, I wasn't really a huge uh, Bill and Ted fan to begin with. But I've seen a ton of Reeves movies uh, even before the Matrix, and uh, so I've always. Liked him as an actor. Alex Winter, I didn't really know very well, but, you know, I I, I was a backer on his Zappa movie, um, so two and two together, and I thought, well, you know, let's watch this thing, and it's it's very similar to sort of a, I mean, it's not quite as clever as a Kevin Smith movie, but but as a sequel goes, or it's actually pretty funny, it's like, it's, it's, I think it's worth, you know, worth watching, I, I don't know if I necessarily want to own it, it'll, it'll obviously go on to like the streaming services and the Netflixes of the world in a, in a few years. Or a year or six months or whatever but yeah if you're looking for fun grab your popcorn have a good laugh you know movie this is this is the one right and of course you know I'm a sucker for time travel right so they yeah. so they play with that quite quite well um, like you know the 90 year old Bill and Ted is pretty funny you got to check that out okay but anyway especially the, the I think they do the post credits scene with the two of them as the old guys um and then of course you know then I thought oh, okay I've got a, co- a coupon I waited till Tuesday when tenant became available and I thought I would watch it anyway it turned out I couldn't use this code for for watching Tenant, so I had to actually just I just went in and paid the six ninety nine or whatever it was, and it's just expired like this this evening. So I watched it just before we started recording again. But I had watched it two days ago, obviously when I when I first rented it, and I know you guys have seen it, right? Are you
1: uh, I I didn't have time this week. I was no! busy moving my moving my office, no! so we cannot discuss it. I know Jaime's seen it already. Oh, I, I have not.
0: Man, don't you hate this, Jaime? <laughs> oh wait,
1: it's, you you're the
0: one that we're waiting for. Never mind. <laughs> Well, let me just put it this way. Um, yeah, I had to watch I, I watched it the first time I really enjoyed it. I had to watch it the second time to sort of see the the twists and turns. That's all I can say. Um, enjoyable movie, you know. Um,
1: would it have been better on a big screen?
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think yeah. it's got and some it, cool stuff there, in there. There's, there, there's yeah, a lot of pew pew, helped. a lot of love explosions, a lot of effects. Uh, most of most of the effects in it are practical effects, which would be really cool on the big screen, right? Mm. I don't think there was any I don't think there's any any uh, I think there there were less uh, red, red you today, there were less uh, effects shots, like you know CGI kind of like you know green screen kind of things, than in a rom com. So mm. yeah, uh, like stuff blows up real good in this movie, but it's it blows up in re- in uh, for real. Um, mm. I think the story is a little convoluted. I'm not going to go into go into it. We'll talk about it once you've seen it, right? But yeah, definitely we should definitely on the next episode of Spotcast we'll we'll dig into this one a bit. I think Cause it's it's worth talking about. You know, um, it ain't the Dark Knight, um, and it ain't inser- it ain't uh inner space, but it's got that you know sort of time twisty uh, Chris Nolan style. Yeah, um, and and there's a lot of you know a lot of director trademarks in it and that kind of stuff, right? So yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's um, you know Memento that kind of stuff too is another one he did like that. So anyway, that's yeah, I definitely definitely recommend watching Tenant if you haven't seen it already. Um, there's some there's a lot of little sort of discussion points like you know um, I'm only halfway through the IMDb you know trivia about it. There's a lot of a lot of little things that you don't catch. Catch. You wouldn't even catch in the first one, and, you know, it's a very intelligent story, but there you go. So I'm say,
1: yeah, he definitely, he definitely aims for, swings for the fences. Sometimes, obviously, it's a, you know, it's a fly ball to the shortstop, but he definitely swings very hard. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, he's been, he's been meeting. to, uh, is that he's been meaning to write, he's been writing this for a while, like, six, mm-hmm. like six, six years or so or something. And I think he might have even been doing this, uh, this idea before, before that, right? So the performances are really good, you know, I think, right, homie
2: They are, yeah, it's, it's very it's definitely got that going for it um yeah. there were some uh, subsequent to to watching the movie uh my cynic other and i ended up watching some did you notice stuff kind of uh videos on youtube or this part explained and uh i was talking to a different friend about the fact that like i think those videos enhanced my experience of the movie but did not hmm. um weren't necessary i didn't like right. i didn't feel right. cheated like oh i didn't notice this thing right it's like more like oh it adds extra flavor if you know this thing but it, it wasn't strictly necessary to, to watch the the videos which was helpful
0: yeah there was a lot there's of some some of the fighting scenes were, were not not the main fighting scene but there was some sort of background character stuff that um was was a little bit obvious there's one scene where it's kind of obvious what's going on but but yeah it's it's very well done because i mean he you know all i could say is he shot every scene twice yeah yeah <laughs> you know so i mean i mean like and and i'm talking like like some some of the shots i read the it's a highway scene you've probably seen in the trailer. They spent like three or four weeks on, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. This um, I I really liked um, John David Washington, the the star. I guess um, I really enjoyed his performance in Black Klansman, mm-hmm. and he was somebody who had sort of you know popped onto my radar at that point. I think it's wildly unfair that that family seems to have so much freaking talent. Um, he's the son of Denzel Washington, right. of yes, course. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, just ridiculous that he's a, he's you know as young as he is. I mean, obviously he's not the actor. His father's father's a phenomenal actor. Um, but I, I was really impressed with that uh, first performance. And when I saw that he was cast in this, I thought, oh, that's great. I'd like to see more of him and, and what he can bring. And I'd heard that uh, Robert Pattinson is quite good in it as well. That He's amazing.
0: Um, like, yeah.
1: He, yeah. I, I, again, I haven't really seen him in. I, I think the only movies I've ever seen him in are like the Harry Potter movie that he's in. I, I've never watched the, the, the Twilights and, and I've never really followed his career. Um, and movies. When obviously he's been cast he's going to be the new Batman in uh, in the Batman reboot and some people have sort of said well you know he's an underratedly good actor all things being equal I, I really didn't have a sense of it so I'm curious to see it just to sort of get a, a gauge of him in that type of film to see how how he is too. Yeah I, I mean
0: most most of the actors in it are, are, are really good. Um I forgot the guy the English Shakespeare
1: actor who plays the villain in this one. Sometimes he's a little over the top but. Oh um, I'm guessing Michael Caine's in it since he He's in yes. every movie that yeah, uh, was, is ever made, by
0: yeah, oh, just as a as a sort of interesting oh, point. Kenneth Branagh, Kenneth Branagh, yeah, yeah, Branagh. yeah, yeah. yeah. he's good. I mean, he plays a Russian billionaire, but um,
1: yeah, and the young woman uh, Elizabeth Becky's from the the Crown, right? She played Princess Diana in the season of the Crown. Is that her? No. Who plays Cat in the movie? She's Elizabeth Becky. She's um, yeah, she's Are the. Sure? Um, I'm pretty sure. No. and Aaron Taylor Johnson. He speaking of Quicksilver, he's the guy who played Quicksilver in that Avengers movie. He's in this too. He plays I. Was, I, again, I haven't seen the film yet, Oh, yeah.
0: So, so which, which guy? Yeah, he was really good. I wanted to look up who uh, who that was. Um,
1: yeah, he was he was, uh, kick-ass in the kick-ass movies. And then he was... Oh, um, really? Yeah, oh yeah. wow! And then he was the um, when he obviously he was much younger, and then he was um, Quicksilver in Age of Ultron. Oh wow, you're right. She was she was. Oh yes, I can see I can see her as Diana now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she was she is really good in this movie. Yeah, tall. Yeah. Holy
0: cow, she's tall.
1: Yeah, I've uh, yeah. Again, I, it was on my to do list this week. I managed to get through the Doctor Who, but I didn't get through the um, the Tenant because uh, I'm moving my entire library slash office from the yeah. basement to yeah. the upper floor, yeah. uh, which requires about, I think I'm up to about, about eighty or hundred trips up and down the stairs carrying you know uh, fifty to eighty pounds of books each time I go. <laughs> um, I'm in i both good shape and also really sore. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a process that has kind of derailed any other kind of enjoyment this week a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you know, knowing you, there are some parts you'll
0: you'll see right away. But uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of head scratching in this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Nolan from the first again, the first movie I, I saw of his was. Was I think his second movie was Memento, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: um, which is a tremendous movie. Carrie Anne Moss is, yeah. is really great in that, and um, I really enjoyed that one. But that that required a second watching, and yeah. I find all of his movies are both interesting enough and also complex enough that they usually benefit from at least a few watches. Yeah, know. Oh,
0: definitely the second time through was 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 quite good on this. I mean, you know, it's a really it's a really good sort of romp through. I mean, it's 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 like James Bond in a sense, but it's not James Bond. Like you know, mm. yeah. It's not mm-hmm. as straightforward as that sort of thing, right? Definitely, definitely, mm-hmm. a couple of watches will, will do you good.
1: Yeah, I hope that uh you know we were talking about obviously box offices and and sort of going to see movies in the theater again. I I really do hope that when we get to a tipping point on the pandemic, that some of these movies that missed their window will get a second life in the theater because I do feel like you know obviously they, they filmed a portion of this in IMAX, they filmed some of the Wonder Woman movie in IMAX. I hope some of these movies do get a second kick at the can where you know people like us who enjoy seeing those movies in their best possible performance can can get a chance to see them i i do agree with chris nolan in that front that you know some movies really are meant to be seen in that type of venue and uh you know maybe maybe they'll they'll recycle some of these down the road yeah himish patel is good in this too have you seen yesterday oh yeah yeah the one with the beatles yeah stuff. He, yeah, you, yeah
0: totally different portrayal of this movie i, I, well, you, I would imagine yeah i mean you, you look at the guy and you go like he totally looks like that guy from yesterday you know yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does because he is Anyway, that's it for this week, I guess. Um, so, if people want to get in to touch with you, Jonathan, where would they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at jpknews. Yeah, and how many people want to get in to touch with you? I'm on Twitter is at dev of the hair. Alrighty. Well, my name is Timitra T I M M I T R A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. So, until next time, we'll say bye 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 bye. You've been listening to the Spotcast podcast. If you want to
2: find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spockcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcastcom slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
0: You say the guy was the from kick-ass oh aaron taylor johnson i'm not seeing him on imdb hmm. aaron two a's yeah i'm not seeing him oh there he is there i've skipped every bottom Oh, yes. Now I see the kick-ass resemblance.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's... he's, he's up changed up a bit. <laughs> his, well, yeah, again, he was in his early 20s, I think, when he was in that. Uh, mm. I mean, that was over a decade ago. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, kick-ass is, a, I think, an underratedly good movie and a very good Toronto movie. There's like 8 or 10 scenes where you're like, I know exactly where that is in the city. Yeah. Like There's a whole, the whole fight scene, like about the 20 or 25 minute movie, mark of the movie. There's a whole fight scene right outside Starlight Donuts over on Kingston Road where you're like, that is a 100% starlight donuts like there's just no way around right, that right. being anything else uh-huh. uh, but yeah it's a bunch of scenes where you're like i know where that intersection is i know where that corner is yeah it's very very toronto yeah oh he played uh the guy who died in um, avengers i did say that Yeah. yes oh sorry I, it.
0: <laughs> I heard you say kick ass that's all i heard yeah
1: you had me at yeah, Kick-Ass. No, he's, he's, he's had an interesting career. It's funny, he's never really, uh, other than Kick-Ass, he really hasn't been like a frontline star, although, I mean, obviously being in one of those Avengers movies is no small potatoes, but um, he's had a quietly good, really good career, and I, I think he's actually pretty pretty talented. Yeah, well, he plays a pretty pretty good geek in, in um, or sort
0: of nerd, I guess, in, in Kick-Ass, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good. I mean, I'm, I was a fan of the book, uh, Kick-Ass, before, uh, obviously, they made it into a film, and I thought his interpretation of it was was pretty good. And um, the guy who did that, Matt Vaughn, um, went on to make all those Kin, Kinsman movies. Kingsman? Kingsman? Right. Um, which was is a pretty big franchise now. Yeah,
0: he's really good in this movie. I, you, again, if you hadn't told me that who that was, I would never have never guessed it. But he did seem yeah. familiar.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to try to make some time this weekend. Uh, Xavier has been chasing me to uh, finish this project because um, the space that I'm moving out of downstairs is going to be the new game room where we, mm. we set up all our old video game systems. And he certainly considers that his own territory, although uh, better than half the stuff in there is, is mine from when I used to be a video game critics. Yeah, this week I was able to actually move into that. I'm actually recording. I, I posted a picture on our Slack of uh, myself recording my first podcast here in my new Ooh. space, which is nice. Yes, I have uh, my own space, my own desk with my own microphone attached to my desk. and uh, On the Twitter, you said? Uh, no, I put it on our Slack. Oh, our Slack. Yeah. I, uh, I did hear a click-click earlier. Yeah, so I, I moved all my bookshelves up here and uh, sort of getting settled and, you know, slowly I'm going to sort of take this over as my own space, put up my art on the walls and... Uh, Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad to have a spot where I can finally settle in. I've been kind of uh party crashing. and I was using, I intermittently, I've been using both the boys' spaces for desks. I've been using the kitchen table. I've been using the dining room table. I've been using the living room. I've been using couch downstairs. I've been crashing in Sherry's office for a while. So it's nice to have a space of my own to do this stuff. I even have a doggy bed in here for my little girl and uh, my big lump of a, a guy to hang out in.
0: So I paused the uh, movie because my rental expired. I just want to go back and see- See if I can watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> just watching five minute increments, see how long you can make it last. No, no, I'll just you know, put it on, and just work and enjoy it. Yeah, so that's, the, that's the one thing they haven't figured out how to do once you download it, they can't you know undownload it from you. Is it a download or is it a is it a stream? Well, it's rented, but you you it actually downloads it to the device. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hmm. it must be encoded in some way that you can't you know rip it and put it on something else and whatever.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, it, you know, obviously it'd be monumentally simple to uh, copy of that when we we're watching wonder woman the other day like how hard would it be to literally set up your like you yeah, know high def camera yeah, exactly f- yeah in front of it and just like rip it and watch as many times as you want like i don't know
0: well they used yeah. to they used to make it so that if you were using apple tv app and you and you recorded with QuickTime, it wouldn't record mm. like if you did a screen recording it, the screen recording would come out black
1: yeah a playstation has a, a function like that built into it too so you can't record certain scenes in their games they literally like yeah. block them out yeah, yeah and won't let you record them because they don't want you putting that stuff on youtube been yeah, spoiling yeah. games and yeah. stuff. Makes sense. Yep. I don't want to be spoiled that way. I understand why people wouldn't want that too. But again, that's not to say you couldn't just aim your, you know, I have an iPhone 11, put the iPhone 11 out. It's a pretty good camera. You could probably get a pretty decent quality out of that. Oh, can we talk about Another World? Yes. So it's a show on, on um, I, just, I just saw a
0: picture of Katie sakoff right? Who we talked about on Mandalorian mm-hmm. and Battle of Star Galactica. There's mm-hmm. this really bad sci-fi that she's in called Another World. And it's it's one of these, you know, the world is ending, and and you know she has to go off in, in space and save the day kind of thing right mm-hmm. um it's so bad you can't not watch it <laughs> <laughs> well that is a ringing endorsement like once you start watching it you're like oh I have to watch this to see how this ends or or, or you know like the each episode i'm in like the third or fourth episode now and it's like i can't believe that, that it's this bad and yet I can't not not watch I'm gonna watch the next episode when, when i get a minute you know another world it's been i mean i mean it's one of those ones i've been looking at for a while and going you know should i watch this I don't know. And you know, what's it on? Uh, the Netflix been out for about a year or so. You probably passed it by a thousand times in your travels. Yeah. I don't, I don't recognize
1: it, but yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, is it another life? Oh, another life. Yeah. 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 Ah, know, I was having
1: trouble finding
2: go. it. Yeah. And then there's like 10 results down in Google. I found what I think
0: it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know Elizabeth shoe was Marty McFly's girlfriend. In the second two. Oh,
1: she's the one that we on the, the, yeah, yeah they, re- they recast the original actress because, um, she her i think her mom got sick and she had to take care of her so she couldn't come back for the oh, second really? one. they okay. cast elizabeth shoe hmm. yep Interesting. who would then later on go on to win the academy award for best actress I for what? uh for the leaving las vegas she plays the prostitute that oh, uh yeah. nicholas cage ends up with yeah, yeah yeah she's really good in that yeah, yeah I, I did enjoy that i think anyway. her high water mark was still a karate kid but what do i know <laughs> what was she in karate kid she was the girlfriend in the original karate kid movie she was uh, Ally, the the blonde cheerleader that uh mm. ends up with Daniel LaRusso interesting
2: yeah I'm about halfway through season three of Cobra Kai that just came out uh on the first
1: how do you like that I've I've been I I knew when it was out on YouTube I didn't really get into it but I saw it moved over to Netflix and thought maybe yeah I I I like it because I think they've got a, a pretty good balance
2: of uh taking these characters to where they they logically might be some 30 years later and um they certainly do a, a good balance of like fan service type stuff without making it too bad. But I would say that I I largely don't like the teen drama subplots where you you have a setup in the show where the the adults from the '80s are basically fighting proxy battles with each other through the teenagers in their opposing um, dojos. And and I'm fine with that. I just don't like when the plots focus too much on the the teenagers. That I find that less compelling, but it's definitely not perfect by any means.
1: Yeah. Is it just, uh, I actually, I heard an interview with, um, Uh, the guy who plays Johnny Lawrence um, last week. And is it, is it just two of them or they bring back more of the old original cast?
2: They they bring back more. And I've been surprised how they've been like starting to weave in more of the characters from the past uh, in in largely pretty logical ways. Mm -hmm. It's hard to talk too much about it without getting spoiler on it. But I I think it's kind of hard to avoid the the news stuff. If you you follow any uh, media news where it's like, Oh, so-and-so's coming back. It's like, Oh, okay. I mean, You may not know who the actor is, but once you see the photo, you're like, oh, I know which character that is.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, um, you know. I was a big fan of the original movie and actually I'm, I'm okay with the second one. The third one is an atrocity it is one of the worst things that's ever been committed to film. Is that the one with uh, the girl? Uh, no, that's the fourth one. It's the next karate kid with mm-hmm. um, um Yeah. Her. Oh, what's her name? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the second one is the one where he goes to Okinawa and um, they, you know, have to go visit Mr. Miyagi's hometown and yeah. they have to settle this sort you of, know, old blood feud and the whole bit that one i actually don't mind although it's it certainly is not a great you know movie i it's just for me it's a just i watched it at a time in my life that was formative and so it's always been a sweet spot the third one is the one where they go back to california and then uh daniel decides he wants to defend his title and then there's this like really over-the-top villain who decides that he's gonna like destroy daniel's life to in order to like uh, support crease the bad guy from the first one and it is horrible <laughs> it is just like some of the worst acting you will ever see combined with some of the worst plot and the worst dialogue you will ever see it is horrible yeah um so that i think was part of my contributed to like uh do i really want to watch cobra kai but again i've heard really good things so far so it's been sort of on my maybe i'll maybe i'll take the plunge in the next little while Xavier finally convinced me we're we're down to our last few seasons of the uh, Marvel Netflix stuff. We uh, hadn't I haven't watched the last few series. And uh, so he convinced me to sit down and watch uh, the first little bit of Punisher last week. Mm. And I wasn't really sold on it. I'm not a huge John Bernthal fan. I've seen him in a few different things, and I think he's okay, but he didn't really knock my socks off. But uh, I watched the first episode of the first season of Punisher and actually enjoyed it quite a bit. And now I feel like uh, I might head down that path next. To yeah, I can't remember if I watched that one. And watch those. Yeah, I'm, I've still got two seasons of Punisher, one season of Luke Cage, and one season of iron fist i think and i think i might have one more season of daredevil i think i have four or five seasons to catch up on i've watched more than half but still missing a few but i figured you know there's rumors that they're going to start bringing these characters and those actors into the mcu now that the rights have all reverted Mm. back to marvel so uh i figured i might want to sort of just catch up on where their stories left off and and see where they go there's rumors that um Matt Murdock, the Daredevil character is going to show up in the new Spider-Man movie as his lawyer when he's facing, you know, problems related to the end of the last Spider-Man movie and um yeah, there's there's talk that they're going to bring all those characters into the proper all right well on that note i think i'm gonna go hit the hay because uh i have meetings starting in about uh, seven and a half hours lucky you all right mm-hmm. talk to you cats later all right all right have a good one hi me stay safe no. thank you thank you uh you, you guys stay safe too okay, Bye. Bye-bye.